the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Cheap, cheap, fun, fun. Spring is in the air and Dirt Cheap is in your neighborhood ready to deliver the perfect drinks to your doorstep. That's right. All of Dirt Cheap's convenient locations now offer delivery of their wide selections of beers, wines, and all the spirits you need. And if you're like me, nothing hits better in the springtime than a nice weeded bourbon. Ask the friendly staff at Dirt Cheap about their selection of weeders like Maker's Mark, Larceny, and so many others. Download the Dirt Cheap app and order curbside or delivery. Have fun, but be careful out there. Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Taco Tuesday, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke laughed when well, I said where, Taco Tuesday. Where's the breakfast tacos? Yeah, breakfast tacos are a necessity. Breakfast yes. burritos may be the number one breakfast. Ooh, I don't know. Randy. Oh, breakfast burritos, oh. yeah. I'm an omelet gal. I am a it's, it's an omelet in a, It's an omelet in a tortilla. Uh, <laughs> it's delicious. Yeah, good pancake, bacon and eggs. Mm. Sign me up. Okay. Every day. Good. Yes. Oh, and the pancakes from First Watch. Oh, they're the best. Hey. The chocolate chip pancakes. Yeah. yeah. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Those are the dulcet tones of one Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. Some teams that could use Kerry Davis on their squad right now. <laughs> I saw Danny Cox yesterday. I said, hey, Danny. He said, yeah. I said, you know, the Cardinals need you right now. He just turned 64. <laughs> they need him right now. I don't I don't think I would uh, provide anything for an NFL team at this moment. One play. Some blocking. DeMarco I don't know. said he yeah. had one play in him. Randy, if my the way my shoulders feel, I, I try to, you know, just show my kids how to do certain things. The way my shoulders <laughs> feel, just from, from, you know, giving them examples, mm-hmm. I... And well, that's just walking. That ain't even running in full speed into another human being. But one play, and then you make like $4 million for the rest of the season. <laughs> make, the, make the play, what we call it in, 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 uh, in Illinois, K4, has slipped to the flat. Uh, Spider 2 wide banana is what, what John oh, Gruden calls it. <laughs> and I'm going to go get you 15 yards, get out of bounds, and not get touched. And then what does that recovery look like? Is it ice bath immediately oh, afterwards? If I, if I don't go, like if, all if that stuff? If I don't stuff? get tackled or go to the ground, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> but if I, get, if I have to hit somebody and I have to hit the ground, yeah, I'm out for three to five days. Maybe just a lookout block. Five just three to five days. business yeah. Deliver the lookout block and you're good. I don't. I'm, I'm too. You I, too I, much pride. I huh? got too much pride, Randy. I did a commercial and they tried to have me get ran over by that. I said, no, that's not realistic. I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. We'll make it more realistic. It's 7:02. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Later in the show, bro, blues broadcaster on the TV side, John Kelly will join us. We're also going to talk to Bradley Carnell as City gets ready to go to Vancouver tomorrow night, and Claves is going to join us as well. Hope he's feeling better. Claves will join us at 9:30. The Blues fall to the Blue Jackets in preseason play last night, 5-3, to three, an ugly, forgettable night. You know what? If the Blues would have won 6 nothing, and Jordan Binnington would have had 74 saves in the shutout, and the Blues would have gotten a hat trick from Jordan Cairo, 
it was a preseason game and it was still forgettable. Uh, By it, definition, uh, preseason games are forgettable uh, unless your quarterback is hurt. It's just for yeah. 10 points. Yeah. yeah. Oh. 10 points. Yeah, it's for yeah. 10 points. I guess the only <laughs> highlight is Jacob. Jacob Rana. Yeah. Okay. He was able That's to get three hard points. for me, bro. I don't like it. Yeah, I want to call him Yaku. I do too. But he keeps going by Jacob, so we have to respect that, I guess. He's being too nice to the, he's being too nice to the journals down there. He's, he, he's, he's changing for us, and I don't like that. Be yourself, Yakub. Yeah. Pretty yeah. soon it'll be Jake, and we'll all be disgusted. <laughs> Come on, be your own man. <laughs> it just keeps constantly make it chasing. For everyone else. Yeah, so yeah. the Blues were down 4-0 just five minutes into the second period before Jacob Verona scored a couple to make it closer. Justin Falk and uh, Tori Krug, both minus three. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so the, the, they need to pick things up. But it, like I say, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You won't remember this in November. I'm trying not to get too worried-ish because I know it's just preseason. We've been playing, you know, a lot of different younger guys, different things like that. But this was the game that Tori Krug back quickly from injury. So I think maybe you were hoping to see a little bit more there. But then it is just the first game. And he's working his way into shape. He hasn't yes. really skated. I mean, he's back, but he, he got hurt in August. So it's I, been a month. We talked to Curbs yesterday, and I asked him about the shots on goal. They, they're giving up about 35 shots on goal per from, game. From what I understand, they're working on things in the offensive zone mm. and really not concentrating uh-huh. as much on holding I hope, I hope that changes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I hope too. they're not giving up 40 shots a game. Did something three happen last two, season? Two, three of them going to go in. <laughs> that made you Four. this concerned? Yeah, 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 I don't a bit know. Of bad defense. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of bad defense didn't, uh, didn't sit well with right. me. We'll be all right. Just a little bit, Rock. Not a lot. Yeah, just, yeah. A just a wee bit. Okay. Yeah. So Maybe a little bit more. It might have been a bad <laughs> night for the Blues because they lost. It was a much worse night for the New York football Giants. <laughs> oh, my God. Holy cow, they're bad. 24-3. to three, the, And uh, we're, we're at the point now in the season where you can legitimately say they're bad. 24-3 to three was the final DK Metcalf uh, scoring for Kyler's film, film room at the end of the first quarter. That was great. Uh, Graham Cano hitting a field goal for the Giants. That was their highlight of the night, a, a 55-yarder. Before the end of the first half, Kenneth Walker with a one-yard touchdown run, making it 14-3 in favor of Seattle. And then in the third quarter... Carrie's Illini guy came through. This was picked. Back the other way, Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon cuts back. What a night for the rookie. You think they love him in Seattle? How about six points? Touchdown, Witherspoon. No flags. Joe Buck the call on ESPN earlier in the game. Troy Aikman had compared Witherspoon to Deion Sanders. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah. Nah, the comparison, I, I think I can understand the comparison in terms of the competitiveness and the... the Swagger. The swag, but also mm-hmm. Dion was a very intelligent football player, and Devin Witherspoon diagnosis plays really well. There's a play, first play of the game against Indiana last year when he was in college where he almost killed the, the receiver or running back, whatever it was, that the ball was thrown in the flat. That's a guy that understands what's going on and can diagnose a play really quick. He did it, uh, he did it in the game. He had a big hit against the running back. Uh, in the in the in the hole in the mm-hmm. in the game in the second quarter, I think, and so he's a guy that understands football now. 
I think he's more physical than what Dion oh, yeah. was no, in he terms of somebody hitting. last night. That's what more tackle yeah, than Dion. He, he he's a guy that w- doesn't mind sticking his nose in there, sticking his face in there. He's a good, fun football player to watch. Young player is going to be really good in this league for a long time. He really is exciting. And you know, Danny Dimes. I know that's his nickname. With with is Danny Dimes. He threw a dime. It was just to Witherspoon. Yeah. essentially. That's okay. yeah. You know, he was it's also not, sacked eleven times. That's not great for the for the stats. No, no. They yeah. average the Giants average three point four yards. Per play, uh, they ran the ball for 112 yards on 29 carries. So, so it was 3.9 yards per rush, was which is actually representative. They've scored three points at home in two games. So, uh, Coach Brian Dayball, last year's Coach of the Year in the NFL, what what, what happened? We, we didn't play a complimentary football game, so turn the football over. Had some opportunities, but well, didn't score any points. Um, didn't didn't get the job done. What sounds, do you think complimentary football tired. looks like, CD? <laughs> I mean, playing good offense, good defense, good special teams. So I would say that they played good. Comp- well, they played complimentary football. It was, it was all, just bad. All, that, all <laughs> yeah. on the same level. <laughs> yeah. The defense didn't play poorly. I mean, Geno Smith only threw for 110 yards. Uh, Drew Locke threw for 63. You gave up 160 yards passing. They only had a 281 total yards. Yeah, exactly. So it, it wasn't. But the, you get the the touchdown, the pick six that puts points on the board. A couple of turnovers by Daniel Jones. You just, you can't turn the ball over and have it lead right. to, to touchdowns, to points for the opposing team. This team isn't good. Yeah. And without Saquon Barkley, they really, really aren't good. And so you you made a decision to pay Daniel Jones in the offseason. Saquon Barkley I got hurt in that game against the Cardinals a couple of weeks ago on, a, on the last drive of the game. It's just not it's not good football when they don't have all of their pieces and they still have not figured out the receiver spot. They, they brought in Darren Waller. We assumed that he was going to be their number one receiver. He only had two catches last night or three catches last night. It, it just, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look like good football and I don't know how they fix it. Yeah, no, I Start think that, with the offensive line probably. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What do you think the percentage wise is for you would give for last night when it comes to the loss, you put that more on Daniel Jones. How much percentage-wise percentage would you put on him versus the offensive line? Because obviously, you talked about it there, his inability to take care of the ball at times. But when you're sacked 10 times, yeah. that that's also concerning. I, I think you have to put – I mean, the, the, the coach has to put the, co- the quarterback in a position to not have to drop back 34 times if you don't have an offensive if – you, if you have multiple offensive linemen hurt – you already know, even when they were healthy, they mm-hmm. aren't protecting very well. Dropping back five, seven, seven-step drops is not uh, beneficial for that quarterback. Get the ball out of his hands. Get the ball to your playmakers. Throw some screens. Throw some passes that allow him to to get the ball out quickly and have his receivers make plays. It's just you have to put it on the coaching staff. You have to put it on the offensive line despite their injuries, and you have to put it on Daniel Jones because he is not taking care of the football. That pass that he threw at the goal line, they are in position to put points on the board, and so you throw bad. it to, to Devin Witherspoon, and he takes it 97 yards. That's not good football, and it's not it's not going to allow you to win many games. Yeah, too much is given as much required yes. to for Daniel Jones. Yes. So that's all that pressure. Obviously, he experienced a lot of pressure last night, but specifically, too, when you get that big contract, even more pressure comes with it. The baseball playoffs start today. Let me see. Oh, scroll. Good. Let's see what the, yeah, yeah, the what time the Cardinals play? They must, they must be on the bye. They must be one oh, of those that, teams that, that has that, the okay, bye. Okay, cool. Good. Because today gotta, you've got uh, Texas against Tampa Bay. You've yeah. got Adolis Garcia against Randy Rosarena oh. in the playoffs. Nice. Wow. Plus Jordan Montgomery and Chris Stratton for Texas. 
Uh, so that'll be entertaining. Uh, Toronto and Minnesota. Toronto featuring a back end of the bullpen that includes former Cardinals, Genesis Cabrera, and Jordan Hicks. So you've got that going for you, which is nice. Minnesota has former Cardinal farmhand Donovan Solano. The Arizona Diamondbacks will play at Milwaukee, Arizona, featuring former Cardinal Tommy Pham. Uh, Milwaukee, I don't think, has a former Cardinal on their squad. No. They got a no. brother of a Cardinal. Yes, they do. Yeah, we'll root for him a little bit. And then Miami <laughs> with uh, Sandy Alcantara and Skip Schumacher and John Mabry and John Jay. Did you leave uh, out Zach Gallon? Uh, oh, yeah, I left out Zach Gallon. There you go. For about him. No, yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and then Miami against the Philadelphia. forget about it. Yeah. Uh, and Philadelphia featuring Edmundo Sosa. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of former Cardinals in the playoffs today. Games start the Texas-Tampa game at 2 o'clock, and these games are on ABC or ESPN or ESPN2. 2 o'clock for Texas and Tampa, Toronto and Minnesota start at 3.30. 6 o'clock for Arizona and Milwaukee, and then Miami and Philadelphia play tonight at 7 o'clock St. Louis time. Did you mention Skip? I did mention Skip, oh, okay. along with yeah. Yanye and, yeah. uh, and John May- yeah, is it if it's, Yan, if it's Yanye, do we go Jan Mabry? I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Yeah, so. yeah. Jan Mabry? Yeah. And Yanye? Yeah. So, I like uh, that. is one of my favorite players. He was great. I really, yeah. I really liked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. playing baseball for the Cardinals. Yeah, so. It is really interesting just with the Marlins. I, I was reading some articles about how everything's been going with Skip, and they everybody just keeps talking about how much he has changed the culture with the Marlins. And so I, as much as you don't want to root for any other team, I'm happy for his success, especially in his first year as a manager there. He has a really interesting personality because he's a really nice guy, mm-hmm. but he's really intense. Yes. And it, that's a hard thing. That's a hard line to walk. I think probably a tightrope is the way to explain it. But he, with the media, is terrific, and he's the friendliest and nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. But so he he's got that going for him. But he's got Tony type intensity, so Tony Larusa type intensity, where he wants to win every day, and he insists on really high quality fundamental play, which is what happened when he grew up with George Kissel in the Cardinal organization. That does happen sometimes. So he is, uh, yeah, he he is a difference maker as a manager, and has proven to be. I think this is only their fourth playoff appearance in history. Miami's the first two, ninety seven, they won the World Series. Oh mm-hmm. three, they won the World Series. Then they made it a couple of years ago when everybody made it during COVID, yeah. and now this year, yeah, so pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Good for him. I mean, just you, you are you rooting for any particular former Cardinal? Or how about how about a future Cardinal? I will root for Skip. <laughs> will I root for Sunny Gray? Nola? Come on, Randy, say oh, Sunny Gray. Gray. I w- if, if, if I will root for Sunny Gray to win his po- first postseason game at the age of thirty-four. <laughs> uh, right. You said at the age of thirty-four, you. Um, okay, well, hold on. No, he's only thirty-three. He doesn't turn thirty-four until November. There you okay. go. Which will be a month after he finishes playing, oh, November seventh. So he's they'll be done. done by they'll be done early. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I think it'd be cool if he w- was able to win his first postseason game. I think that'd be wonderful. Well, he's gonna, if he does, it'll be one more than the Cardinals will win this year. Mm-hmm. It'll be one more than he's ever That's won. That's true. <laughs> if, uh, well, I'll just say this. If you're the Cardinals <laughs> and you plan, if your goal, like the other day, Ali said, hey, I want guys in that are trying to wor- win a world championship. Yes. Not saying that Sonny Gray doesn't try, try to win a world championship. I'm just saying he can't handle the pressure of it. Hmm. Hmm. So, so we're we're off the sunny gray sunny gray. Train. I've never been on the sunny gray trade. If you like him, if, if it's cool, hey, he's got a good regular season record. If, if you like him, I have no problem with you liking him. him. I, I, I just don't. I, I know that he has never performed during the postseason, and rarely performed 
in well, in can I, clutch time. Randy, can I say you put this? It, yeah. He put it one devastating way before we started the show. What? He's, what? he's great. He's, he's a great red. He's a, yeah, he's perfect God, for the Cincinnati Reds. That is a <laughs> devastating <laughs> way to so put it. If he's bad, not good, Randy. if he's good in the regular season, but not good in the postseason, you don't want him. I mean, we at least get to the postseason. <laughs> I think we ain't in the postseason And then right just now. fall apart the again is, in the postseason. You fall, then, then here's, you know, make them the fourth here's the thing. Or fifth star. If you're going to give a guy a bunch of money, right? And Tony Gray's going to make a bunch of money. And you don't have a guy that is the man. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to have a guy that's the man? Yes. Don't yeah. you want to have? Gonna spending that, if you're going to spend that kind of money, yes. I, I can't wait till yes. we discuss this. I'm looking forward to yeah, discussing this well, Cardinals pitching situation. It's... <laughs> Terrible taste in your mouth. (laughs) I I long for the days of Dave Duncan. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we've got some early division battles. Studs versus duds. Who do you have winning these early battles in the National Football League? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Time for a little National Football League, and we are nearly a quarter of the way through the NFL season. Now that we have the 17-game schedule, we used to say when Jeff Fisher was a head coach that this was the quarter <laughs> poll, and then you'd just get in touch with the commissioner if you got off to a bad start, and he would uh, he, he would just help you out. Yeah, help you out, just eliminate that first quarter of the season. Uh, Bills and Dolphins both 3-1. and one. The Bills drubbed the Dolphins on Sunday. Who do you like in the AFC East? I'm assuming it's not New England. Oh, uh, no. Or the Jets. Uh, nah, nah, nah. I'm not a fan, but I, you know that that game was surprising. I, I I did not expect it to go that way for the uh, Buffalo Bills to beat up on the Dolphins, but they do have to go to Miami at some point. And Tre'Davious White, their starting corner, just went down with the mm-hmm. torn Achilles uh, for the year, so that is going to be a a problem for them. They the Bills will get Von Miller back here shortly, but I think that whenever Bal- whenever Buffalo goes down to Miami, I think the the Dolphins will win that game. And now you're looking at them neck and neck. I still think that the Dolphins are the better team in the AFC East. Uh, Buffalo played a great game, but again, losing Tredavious White uh, is going to be a big, big loss for them. And as the Bills lose Tredavious White, we're a couple of weeks away from Jalen Ramsey returning from Miami, too. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think one word for the Dolphins on why they're going to be successful and better than the Bills, Tua. I mean, Tua is the difference maker to me. Too legit to quit. No. (laughs) There you go. I like like that one. Yeah. I I think that Tua has played well. Uh, that whatever for whatever reason, I just didn't like the Miami Dolphins game plan. Yeah. I felt like they needed to run the ball a little bit, a little bit more. I know Devon Chan had a, had a big game, but I didn't think it was. They didn't think they they ran the ball enough in that game to be successful. So um, they need to run it more mm-hmm. to have more more success in that game, and then I think they'll be okay. Oh, by the way, Miami after a game against the Giants on Sunday, they, the Giants have to fly to Miami after losing on Monday night, and they get Miami on Sunday. <laughs> Good luck. And then the. Dolphins also have Carolina at home, but then they round out October and start November by going to Philadelphia, New England at home, and then uh, Kansas City at home. Then you get the Raiders and the Jets in Washington. So the schedule really lines up well for Miami until the end of the season. Dallas, Baltimore, and Buffalo to close things out their last three games. What about in the NFC East? The Eagles still uh, undefeated at 4-0. Dallas is at 3-1. Dallas has San Francisco this weekend. I like I, I really like what the Eagles have done, even though, you know, Sirianni said they aren't hitting on all cylinders just yet. But it's 
they're in week four, going into week five. They don't have to be, but they're 4-0. and And so I think they're going to continue to just get better and better. They've gotten A.J. Brown involved in the game plan. He was a little frustrated the first couple of weeks when he wasn't getting the ball, but now he is. Uh, you still got Devontae Smith. They're running the ball with DeAndre Swift so well. Offensively, they got a lot going on that they can do. Um, I'm not a I'm not a believer in the Cowboys yet. I, the loss to, to the Arizona Cardinals a couple of weeks ago really – left a bad taste in my mouth with who they are and what they are. So I, I have to see more from the Cowboys. I still haven't seen Dak have one of those games that make you feel like he's, you know, a top five, top ten quarterback. Um, Michael Parsons is going to get after your quarterback. But I, mm-hmm. I think that the Eagles are still the, the standard in the NFC East right now. I, I It will be interesting this weekend because I feel like this is a huge game for the Cowboys and Dak Prescott when you're facing the 49ers. Uh, it is, but I, I honestly, I don't think they got a chance. The 49ers are that good. And it's 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 like the 49ers and then everybody else. Mm-hmm. They are they are they are hitting on all cylinders on offense, defense, special teams. They are playing so well. Uh Christian McCaffrey is is going to be a lead candidate for offensive player of the year. He's playing well. Uh Brock Purdy finds ways to get the ball out of his hands and to his receivers and doesn't make mistakes. And so when you're looking at what this offense does, it, Debo Samuel didn't even do much last game. No, <laughs> Brandon Ayuk was the one. So they have a team that is is has a lot of weapons on the offensive side. And then let's just not even think about the defense who has Nick Bosa and gets after right. the quarterback like a madman. And then for uh, and we'll touch on uh, Dallas just one more little bit here. They lose Trayvon Diggs, and I know they have depth at corner. But when they have to face a team that has a lot of weapons like San Francisco, that's when the losing yeah. a guy like Diggs yes. really does affect you. So I'm with you, uh, too. I, I think Philadelphia is the class of that division. But uh, I, I just can't—Dallas uh, isn't a dud. They'll be a playoff team. But I would be surprised if they were able to, to win much on the road. Okay, AFC South. Everybody is at 2-2 two and two in the AFC South. <laughs> Can we flip a coin? That's what it feels like every year. Can't this be the year that somebody just actually just wins in a dominant fashion where you know no. that this is the person? Why can't the AFC South be like Last that? year, and this is where coaching is right now. Yeah. Because the preseason is basically used to evaluate. Nobody develops their team during the preseason anymore. Last year, the Jaguars got off to a 2-6 and six start, went to the playoffs, won a playoff game. Doug Peterson knows how to do it. Does Shane Steichen know how to do it? Probably not. Uh, does D'Amico Ryan say he's been there? Uh, I'll be interested to see if they if they can sustain and get better. I think they'll get better, but I think the Jaguars are just a better team. They're more established. They, they did win the division last year. And, and then Tennessee, can they be consistently good with their quarterback situation? I, I think the question is, who is the best quarterback in this division it's right Trevor now? Trevor Lawrence. It, it is, but mm-hmm. there's a guy in Houston that is... is a young rookie knocking mm-hmm. on the door saying, you think so? I, let me show you. Because what C.J. Stroud is doing, this Houston Texans team is not supposed to have won two games no. at this point. He's been they, great. And, and been in multiple games. And then you go into Jacksonville and win that game. I'm not saying that. I, I, the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts are, are the most surprising team so far for me because I didn't think with two rookie quarterbacks that they would be sitting here with two wins you know, four weeks into the season. I don't have an answer for you because I thought Jacksonville would run away with this division and they don't seem like they want to. Tennessee is not able to run the ball and can't get the ball out of Tannehill's hands to the right people at the right time. I don't know. Again, I would flip a coin, but if you were forcing me, I I like what the Houston Texans are doing and I like what the Indianapolis Colts are doing and the Indianapolis Colts get Jonathan Taylor back. But I, they do. 
I just don't think they have enough good players on defense. Uh, Zaire Franklin is a is a stud. Yeah, they they. I'm not saying they, they're devoid of good players on defense, but I just don't. If you have to play 17 weeks, I, I think eventually that'll catch up with you with what they don't have. I'm going. I'm, I'm going to be. It, that's going to be a. Uh, uh, I think that one go is going to go down to like week 16, 17 to figure out who wins that division. Be, it'll be fun as, as usual. Yes, per usual. I know. No, it's a. <laughs> believe me, Titans fans are very well well aware of this right now. It's just it's inconsistent, especially on the Titans side of things, where it's just hot and cold. It feels very bipolar with this team, mm-hmm. and you've already seen that so far this season. Can they build it? Uh, and make it consistent? I don't know. It, you just don't know with Ryan Tannehill being the quarterback. And you're talking about the young quarterbacks. That is something that does concern me long term, just as a Titans fan, is seeing these young quarterbacks really starting to rise. Trevor Lawrence, the way that he continues to grow every single year. And meanwhile, the Titans are still attached to Ryan Tannehill. Malik Willis, they had. That's not panning out. Then you have Will Levis, and that's not panning out, a.k.a. Mayo Boy. Has it he just, looked bad? I. In- uh, do they? You don't even see him that much. He didn't is the look thing. good in yeah. preseason. Yeah, I just, uh, uh, I think they're doing the right thing with him. Yeah, in trying to develop him. Well, hopefully, I, I just have Jordan I have, Love, Aaron Rod. You know those guys that have to sit around for a while. Almost always, when, when you have to develop a quarterback, he winds up being better. Yeah. I, I agree. I just don't like the fact that they went and got two quarterbacks in back to back drafts, and neither one of them are on the field. No, but you, that that you know, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, you got right. <laughs> okay, so why did you go get two quarterbacks? Exactly. I didn't know that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Hey, coming up, what's the best way to fix the Cardinal fundamentals? Matt Holiday had some strong opinions about the the way the Cardinals play defense and the way that the team the the league practices fundamentals. Greg Amzinger did too, and uh, we're going to tell you what the best way to fix fundamentals is next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I think there's a correlation to giving a bunch of players financial security and making them feel immensely valued and not having them go on the field looking over their shoulder if they mess up. I think there's immense value in the psychology of commitment. These are the things the Braves have done. The psychology of commitment is an amazing thing in sports. And the polar opposite of that is the musical chairs of the St. Louis Cardinals outfield and no one can get their footing and no one can feel like they're a central figure to where the Cardinals are going. So uh, the psychology of that is the Atlanta Braves. And I think they've done a remarkable job. And Alex Anthopoulos has had to make some very difficult decisions. That is our friend Greg Amzinger of MLB Network talking about one of the reasons that the Braves are good and perhaps one of the reasons that the Cardinals aren't. And beyond the psychology of commitment that Greg talks about, I believe that it's much easier for a manager to ask a player to do the things that you need to do to win baseball games if that player isn't angry for the next contract. For example, you have a left-handed hitter at the plate, and you have a runner at second with nobody out or one out, and you want to move that runner to third, preferably with nobody out. And you want that hitter to hit a ground ball to the right side to move the runner over to third. That player, if he doesn't have a contract and is looking for a contract, whether through arbitration or free agency next year, is much more inclined to swing for the fences, try to hit home run, hit a fly ball, strike out, maybe 30 35% of the time. If he already has the contract, if he has been signed 
Ozzy Albies, Michael Harris mm-hmm. Jr. If he already has his money and he's not worried about the contract for next year, he's much more inclined, I would think, just from an observational standpoint, to want to help the team win because he's already got his money. He's already got his contract. He doesn't need to worry about his contract for 24, 24, 25, 26, 27. I would think that it would be beneficial for a franchise like the Cardinals to take the cue from Atlanta that Greg just described and try to get players to not worry as much about their contracts and worry about winning. Yeah, I think that that could be helpful. But they also have Ronald Acuna Jr., which, of course, mm-hmm. you locking that up is huge. And he is so talented. We've seen what he's done this season. He's one of the most exciting players in baseball to watch right now, if not the most exciting player to watch in baseball right now. My question is, though, is outside of Jordan Walker, just because he, I believe, is the future of the organization, mm-hmm. Who else do you feel confident in and saying this is going to be a defined role for you next season when I'm talking about the outfield? Because it doesn't feel like you have much security in some of those other positions or you've seen enough. You know Newbar is going to be playing, right? Yes. Whether it's center or left. But then you don't know if it's going to be Contreras. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that it's not going to be Dylan Carlson. So it's between Contreras in left and Newtbar in center, or Edmund in center and Newtbar in left. Those are the two choices, right? And then Alec Burleson is your fourth outfielder, probably. Or Richie? Richie Palacios. Richie, 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 Richie. I'm a big Richie Palacios fan. I I like him coming off the bench. but okay. I I was worried because, well, what happens if, like, he and Newtbar are battling for a spot? Uh-oh. Well, Willie Mays wins, right? You'd think so. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah. I, and, you know, and CD, you've been talking about this all season of giving players defined and consistent yeah. roles to be able to build those opportunities and build confidence. And you've even seen Jordan Walker. I think the second half of the season, what we've seen his progression defensively is because he was able to have more of that defined role. So is it, do you guys think, and CD, do you think this is, it would be a mistake if the Cardinals don't give the players defined roles roles at the start of next season yeah I think you have to I think going into the season knowing exactly where you're going to be playing you know where you're going to be hitting in the order it just gives you confidence it gives you a a level of comfortable comfortability where you just every single day you know what you have going on and then you know if I have today off I I don't have to worry about being called into the game and, and I can really take this day off mentally and not be concerned I think they just they didn't do a good job all season long of having guys playing in different positions. For me, whoever's playing center field, I hope it's not Tommy Edmond. I hope that Tommy Edmond is your is your second baseman because if not, then you have Nolan Gorman at second base. Maybe it's Brendan Donovan. Is is, a, is Brendan Donovan an everyday player in you all's mind? Does he does he fit if he's the mold? Healthy, yeah, he was pretty yeah. good as a rookie. Well, then, if especially that's the case, in your then lineup, if he stays yeah. healthy, then then you can put Tommy Edmond in center field, but. I don't want to see Wilson Contreras in left field. And so just figuring out what's going on in this outfield, it seems like we have the same issue right now that we had last season where we had too many outfielders where you had to send Jordan Walker down. Now you're putting another player potentially in the outfield. It, it just It's a lot of, of mess, that I think, that needs to be cleaned up. Find defined roles. Find out where guys are going to be playing every single day and let them go do their job to the best of their ability. And, and 
find some starting pitching. Yeah, that, the starting pitching is a big point. I think just having that carousel in the outfield again next season could be a big mistake. But then I don't know if you have, if you feel comfortable, you've seen enough even at the end of the season to say, okay, I want this person here, here, and here. Outside of Jordan Walker, they seem committed to him in right field. But other than that, they were still moving guys around. You still had Tommy Edmond as your center fielder. And I do believe that Ali Marmol would like Tommy Edmond to be their no center doubt. fielder. But I, I keep looking at this. And we don't know what's going to happen with Contreras. But if Contreras is your left fielder, then he's there, Newt's in center, and Walker is in right. I think that would defensively be their best setup because then you get Edmund into second base and you've got Arnado, Wynn, Edmund, and Goldie with Herrera or Kisner behind the plate. Now, if you have to DH Wilson uh, Contreras, that changes everything because then you probably do have Edmund in center. With And my lineup, by the way, doesn't include Brendan Donovan, which I think it almost has to. Um, it does. does it include Nolan Gorman? No, I don't think Nolan Gorman's going to be here. Okay. So maybe what you do is you deter. Here's what they probably do. They probably put Donovan at second. If Contreras is here, Contreras is your DH. Newt, your outfield is Newt, Edmund, Walker. I'll, looking at this now with clearer eyes, I'm betting that Tommy Edmund is your center fielder either way. That's Which I don't think is great. I would rather have him on the infield. There, there's just so many different now, layers to this. And Wilson Contreras, by the way, would have to, I assume, agree to right. and feel comfortable with going somebody's into the, take the lead. Somebody's got to be the adult and be the boss, right? It should be the person that signs the checks. Yeah. You should have a what's called a manager to get players to play positions and get... Well, as Dick O'Neill used to say, the pr- thing that made him proudest as a coach was to get players to do things they didn't necessarily think or want to do, think they could or want to do. And that's what he has to do. By the way, get, let's get back to the fundamentals here. And Matt Holliday talked about why fundamentals are where they are in baseball right now. And it goes back to when kids are five or six years old. The, the competitive element of trying to win and doing everything at, at the expense of winning... Um, I think we have gotten away from that a little bit. And, and I think you, even, you know, the analytics would say, don't bunt, don't, don't sacrifice uh, sort of giving yourself up and hitting a grounder to second to get the guy over from second to third. And I think sometimes the numbers, uh, they can't quantify the, uh, I, I guess, the just the winning part of small parts of the game. Um, and so, when we don't acknowledge it, we can't quantify it. Um, it's not taught. It's not emphasized at the minor league level. Uh, the emphasis is more on guys getting to the major leagues and 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 getting there and 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 really winning and losing seems to be not really that big of a deal. Um, where that competitive spirit of hey, let's win. You know, I, I think that that's one thing. Uh, particularly with Jackson, that I've noticed that even at the minor league level, like he wants to win these games. Talking about his son, and one of the things that Matt also mentioned in that was that as youngsters, kids are taught on an individual basis. So they're going, they're learning individual hitting, they're learning individual pitching, but fielding and playing fundamental baseball isn't a big part of it. Then they get to a showcase, and all they want to do is show that they can throw hard or they can hit with exit velo. There's nothing about winning that is taught, even at the lowest levels. If you want to see the worst form of sports, individual <laughs> sports, go watch AAU basketball, because it is the worst. It is in terms of guys working together, and that's what this, it's all because Become individualized. Everyone is out for themselves to get to the next level, and then you see you see it in in at all 
levels, when guys make it to the big leagues or when they make it to the NBA, NFL, they don't know how to play a team game because they've never been taught that. It is a a, a a problem, in my opinion, because God, you have to learn how to win in order to learn how to become a champion. And if you never learn that, if you never are forced to to be to to sit down and really learn how to work together, bunting a runner over so that he can get in scoring position uh, with less than two outs, getting guys in a position so you can win the game and not just oh I need to have this great launch angle so that I can drive the ball mm-hmm. out of the park and I can win the game. No. We can still win the game without me being the hero. I can be a hero in another way. So here's what you do at the minor league level where guys aren't making a whole bunch of money. They're still playing 130 games. 10 bucks, 20 bucks for every winning play that you make. Okay, so we're going to put on the bunt, okay? You have to learn how to bunt. And you put the bunt down, sacrifice yourself, runner moves up. That's a winning baseball play. You hit a ball to the right side to move a runner over. That's a winning baseball play. You hit the cutoff man. That's a winning baseball play. So from an organizational standpoint, it's a drop in the bucket. It might cost you 100 bucks a night if you have a really good night at the minor league level. Right? And that is one way to incentivize young players who aren't making a lot of money to become better players and make it a habit. Yeah. I, didn't a former manager do that? Didn't he incentivize With Whitey that? and, and, and yeah. Ozzy? Yeah. Yes. And it was, yeah. a, it was a dollar. It was a dollar. And but still, was, but yeah. But what you do is because inherently everybody's competitive. You appeal to the player's competitive mm-hmm. yes. nature. And especially, and you can't do this at the minor league level, but the bet was for every ground ball and line drive Ozzy hit because he was trying to hit home runs at 150 pounds, Whitey got a dollar. And for every uh, Ozzy got a dollar for every fly ball or strikeout, Whitey got a dollar. And Ozzy was so far ahead by the All Star break, they called off the bat. <laughs> yeah, I think it goes back to too that there just needs to be a cohesive message from the entire organization from the top down, where everybody's communicating. We talked about that with the pitching philosophy this season, not just at the major league level, but at the minor league mm-hmm. level as well, because we know that if Gordon Graceffo and Michael McGreevy were ready, then we would have seen them at some point this season. But also on the hitting side of things. On the fundamental side of things, there needs to be a clear, cohesive message where everybody's communicating on all levels so that when you have that minor league player come up to the majors, yes, there's going to be a learning curve, obviously, because they're young, but you won't have as much where Ollie said even earlier this season, remember where he said that you have to, uh, you can't learn, you shouldn't be taught these things at the major league level, essentially. And with all due respect to the analytics guys who went to Harvard and never played an inning of baseball. Ali deserves this to get all of the minor league coaches and managers in a in a conference room at a hotel yes. before spring training starts to say, this is the way we're going to play baseball. Yes. This is what I want when guys arrive that I'm going to manage at the major league level. This is and go through every single scenario, yep. have them there for eight hours and let Ali the manager of your big league club. We talked yesterday about picking the groceries, right? Let them let him get players that are prepared to play his style of baseball rather than have no communication and have willy-nilly teaching or have somebody else who's not Ali Marmol teach minor leaguers how to play. Uh, or, or have the coaches teach them how to play something that he really doesn't appreciate. Clearly, there are issues with what we read over the weekend that he said about players not wanting to, to play well enough. And he's talked about how he was frustrated having infielders play the outfield. You know what? Have... 
Jordan Walker's your best prospect. Jordan Walker probably should have played an inning of the outfield before they oh traded Harrison Bader. <laughs> yes. So do those things. Have an infielder, have a Tommy Edmund type player, have a Brendan Donovan, have a Dylan Carlson or uh, uh, Brett, uh, Nolan Gorman. Have them play a corner outfield for a couple of games. It's not going to hurt anything. They're playing yeah. 120, 130 yeah. games. Let them get some experience out there and make your team as good and as versatile as you possibly can so you don't run into the problems that they ran into at the big league level yes. this year. Yes, the same message no more mixed messages the same yep. message from the top down one guy yes one guy and if you say john mozalek that ali marmal is going to be your manager and that he's not going anywhere which is the right thing to say because that's what he said in his comments of course he's not going to get rid of him you know during the season i know he said that before the season ended then you have to give him that control and ability to do that so that it can be the winning culture that Ollie and the organization thinks they can make here in St. Louis. So we're supposed to have a clock, theoretically here. We're supposed to have a clock that we abide by, where we have a segment that <laughs> runs from the top of the hour to 11 Whoopsies. after, quarter after to 26. You, you get the idea. But if somebody comes in here and all of a sudden they decide, oh, well, we don't go by that clock, then our management is going to be pretty unhappy about that. Yeah. We, we need to have... A, a voice throughout the course of the day. And the Cardinals and every other good team need to have a voice throughout their entire system. And that's how you get better fundamentally. Before And the other part of it is sign everybody to long-term contracts. So, so, so I'm, I'm all in on giving everybody their money this year. It saves you money in the long it run. Does. Yes. It's the smart play. It's the and maybe I mean they did that with Colton Wong. That's the one name that I remember mm-hmm. that they did that with. And and maybe it didn't go as well as, as they I it's thought okay. it went pretty yeah, it okay. I thought it went okay. Better than it did with the young. Much better. Yeah. But 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 that's the risk you run yep. when you sign a player to a long term deal before he hits free agency and because it's gonna cost you more money. If they were to give Jordan Walker, if they said tomorrow, hey, we're gonna give you a seven year deal worth a hundred million dollars, you think Jordan Walker isn't gonna sign on that line? He will sign. Yeah. I, I I I agree. As opposed to waiting four years and now we gotta give you a seven year deal worth two hundred and fifty million dollars. Walker, Edmund, Newt, Wynn. And once Yvonne Herrera shows that he's a big leaguer, and once Brendan Donovan shows me he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Sign him up. There we go. Hey, we've got Take It or Leave It coming up. Send in your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Take It or Leave It next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Take it if you don't, send it right back. Get your text in test 314-399-9646 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Leave it on 101 ESPN. Get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! All right. Uh, word out of Los Angeles that Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams, who is a junior, can come out after this season if he desires. But the only five teams he would play for are the Cowboys, Raiders, Vikings, Giants, or 49ers. Take it or leave it, one of those teams will own the first pick in the draft and Williams will come out. Cowboys, Raiders, Raiders, Vikings, Vikings. Giants, and Niners. Uh, Vikings Vikings and Giants are, are, are... 
vying mm-hmm. for that number one overall. What about the Bears? <laughs> Uh, no, they're not on the list, so you know, maybe no, he goes yeah. four years to USC or three years, I guess, and one year to. Uh, I, I'm Atlanta. not. A, I'm not. I'm not mad at him for that. I mean, no. we saw Eli Manning do it. Yeah. We saw um, uh, quarterback from Denver, what John Elway. Yep. did mm-hmm. it. You, you have you. You only get one well, shot. But here's the thing, Kerry. Now he can go back to USC and make yeah. as much money as go. he would as, as a, a rookie. As a rookie, yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I'm not opposed to it at all. I, I I actually like that that he's coming out and saying it early enough. Yep. So teams like uh, the the Chicago Bears, who may end up losing every game this year, don't think that they have a chance to get him. Should the Vikings tank? Uh, they should trade Kirk Cousins. If if, so that's if, tanking. If they are <laughs> if, if they are trying to uh, to get another quarterback, and if Kirk Cousins is on the last year of his deal. They've been talking about trading them, moving them, mm-hmm. maybe to the Jets, maybe to another place. If they do trade them, they are tanking and they are looking to uh, to get that number one overall pick. And maybe the Raiders. The I don't Raiders. know why he put the Raiders on that list. Yeah, that's an intriguing yeah. one. You, you, Cowboys and Niners aren't getting the first pick. No, they don't. They, and they're not looking for a quarterback. And the Cardinals aren't. Do you think that they would trade Kirk Cousins? Even I, it was just interesting seeing Aaron Rodgers and his progression. It really looks like he's going to be determined to come back by next season. Do you think that they would still want to do that trade if you're the Jets? It, who would? I, I wouldn't because I, that's not going to turn the Jets into a playoff team and he's a free agent after this year. Yeah. Who's Who would Kirk Cousins go to? I can't find a team, I don't think, where if they would add Kirk Cousins, it would turn them from a non-playoff team to a playoff That's team. That's what I'm saying. The Jets? They wouldn't. They're, they're too far. They're they're too messed know. up already. Well, they won't win the division. No, but because the Miami Dolphins and the uh, and the Buffalo Bills Buffalo will be ahead of. Them. But they could they could push for a while. They have a really good team. Zach Wilson, maybe he figured something out last week. Would it make know. you feel better about the Buccaneers <laughs> doing something after winning a bad division if you upgraded from Baker to Kirk? Is that an I'm upgrade? okay with Kirk. I mean, I'm okay with Baker right now. Okay, mm-hmm. for that team, I don't know what team would actually. Benefit, boy! I actually do know what team would benefit. Oh, oh. Say it, say it, Kerry. Say it with your chest. It ain't his fault, though, man. Say it with your it chest. Ain't, it ain't his fault. It ain't old Kenny Pickett's fault. Oh, we knew it. Fault. Yep. It ain't his fault. I won't. I won't. So that won't solve all the problems, right? Nah, unless Kirk calls his own plays. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe that's the plan. Yeah, so there was a. You all know that the NBA implemented a new rule. Guys that want to win post. Uh, uh, postseason awards or regular season awards at the end of the year need to play in at least 65 games. Mm-hmm. It's really the Kawhi Leonard rule <laughs> because of his low management. Kawhi says that this rule doesn't apply to him. Take it or leave it. The rule was created because <laughs> of him. 100% take it. I'm going to take that too. Yeah, yeah. He says he's never done low management. He's always been hurt. He has been hurt often, but he I think he's had some load management. In his career, I would say he has. Too. Yeah, I was just thinking. Yeah, no, I I agree with Man, you. They should call it the Kawhi rule. <laughs> Man, call it yeah, load management. Oh, he's doing a Kawhi. He's taking some time. Here's off. the thing: we have I the like audio. That. He has been hurt though a lot. But it's the most boring audio I've you ever heard in my entire life. You don't want to hear. No, I love his laugh worst. though. He has the best laugh <laughs> yeah. out there. That's a that's a different kind of laugh that scared the hell out of me when I heard it. <laughs> It worried me. And he's like, oh, they heard my laugh. Let me stop. Yeah, he got scared by his yeah. own laugh is what it felt like. It's so mine, guys, I was thinking about this earlier, Randy, when you were talking about the age demographic that you saw at the Cardinals game this past mm-hmm. weekend. Take it or leave it. They need to take the page out of what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing and have one of their players, I'm talking about the Cardinals, one of their players date a superstar, yeah, a I'll global superstar, and that will help. Who, yeah, who, I'll take who it. would that be? 
I don't know. What superstar is think. available? So Vanessa Hudgens was dating a major league baseball. You guys remember Cole Tucker that played with, Cole with the Tucker. Pirates? Yep. Yeah, Cole Tucker. Sounds like a country star. Yeah. Really? Yeah. She she's not a, a, enough of a superstar. Yeah, he, it doesn't Taylor move Swift, the needle. Uh, Taylor Swift is a different level. Like it's like there's only Beyonce two. Beyonce and Taylor, right? Those yeah. are the two. Beyonce's right? married, so yeah. you can't. So we need I mean, to find a new global superstar. Find somebody Who's else? like the new it uh, it girl, I guess. Olivia Rodrigo, I think, is big with mm-hmm. the with the young ladies. Yep. There you go. Play. Shoot your shot, fellas. Yep. <laughs> You, know, you miss go. 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky and Michael Scott. Or go old school. Heidi Klum is now single again. Wait, what? Yeah, that's not how you develop a younger audience. Wait, that's so random. How do you know that? That's so random. Is that not? What? Oh, Selena Gomez. How did I not think about that? Yeah. Didn't no? she date Justin Bieber? She, yeah, she did. But you know what? She's tough. she's single. Well, and the... The demographic is the only murders in the building demographic. Gosh. I mean, is our our 20-year-olds watching that? I mean, she's with Steve Martin and Martin Short on her show. <laughs> show's fan- it's, it's, show's it's a fantastic, fantastic show, but, but I don't know if that's how you do She's BFFs with Taylor Swift. So then oh, when Taylor there, Swift come okay. with her. There you to go. You got to find. You got to. You got to. I don't know. Taylor Swift's grandmother graduated from Lindenwood University. Really? Mm-hmm. So we're we're Marjorie? trying. We're, we're, we're shooting our shot at Lindenwood. <laughs> Take it or leave it, Randy. Belichick should go into the Hall of Fame with a TB-shaped asterisk. I will totally take that, yes. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Oh, no. Come on. Yeah. Boy, is he a bad head coach. He, he, no, I think he's a bad general manager. The team that he has put together ha- has not been. Yeah, that's true. But he what didn't. do you have? When, who is the last? When you think of, of skill positions, who is the last great skill position that comes to mind for that team? Well, Gronk be- became a skill position guy, right? But, uh, 2010, maybe? I'm talking a guy, yeah. yes. 2010, 2011. Yeah. Like, Randy Moss comes to my mind. He didn't. He, and he didn't. He drafted. And he hasn't drafted. Moss forced his way there. Exactly. So, just drafting guys, guiding, finding guys that are, are skillful and able to make plays. Eh, yeah. hadn't been great. Hey, I'll, uh, I'll go back to this apples-to-apples apples stat that is irrefutable. Without Tom Brady as his starting quarterback, <laughs> Jeff Fisher has a winning percentage of 5-12. Without Tom Brady as his starting quarterback, Bill Belichick has a winning percentage of 441. So, mm. clearly, Jeff Fisher is greater than Bill Belichick. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> if, if, if Fisher would have magically about. drafted Tom Brady in 2000. Yeah, Kerry Collins. Yeah, he did. Who else did he? Well, <laughs> he had McNair. He did. But, he did. but yes. Belichick had Bledsoe. Well, that was a two good quarterbacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kerry Collins did take a team to the Super Bowl. He did. Kind of. One more. Take it or leave it. Devin Witherspoon wins Defensive Rookie of the Year. Take it. Oh, he's going. Seven sacks, seven tackles, <laughs> two sacks, interception, pick six. So he had a really good game. He's Ed Reed. Or is he Troy Polamalu? He's quarterback. Uh, he's different. He's Ronnie Lott at cornerback. Troy, Troy and Ed are two totally different. I, I, when people try to compare them, it bothers but me. The thing, though, the, the, the one comparison, though, is they can both play in they, all three zones, yes, right? They can, they can cover, the they can go to the line of scrimmage, yeah. they can get after the quarterback yeah. behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. To me, that's the the one comp. Yeah. I don't disagree with you. They are completely different. Yes. But the, the one, and Witherspoon did it last night, playing Covering the pass, yep. being at the line of scrimmage, covering the run, or getting after the quarterback. Yeah, he did a good job. Very good job. So, uh, Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, 
Mo is kind of backing off of the we're getting three starting pitchers statement. Are you worried? That's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, I think, I think when I said three, it was at a time where we were really down to one starter at that point. And I will say, you know, we are still bullish on Matt's. We think, like, from a physical standpoint, he'll be in a good spot next year. I think, uh, really, Thompson has stepped up. But we know we're going to need some big innings, some quality innings. And at the very least, we also know we're going to have to add some depth there because we're going to need some protection. Certainly pleased with what we saw out of Rom. But, you know, what will his role be next year? Hard to say. And so lots of questions that we can be asking ourselves right now. But that'll help build the GPS for this offseason. Pomo Mo with Jimmy the Cat Hayes Sunday on the Cardinal pregame show on Bally Sports. So when I said three, it was right after we had traded a couple of starting pitchers and we had one starting pitcher. Presumably that was going to be Miles Michaelis. Now we're counting on Stephen Matz. We think he'll be in a good spot physically for 2024. We've been impressed by Zach Thompson and what he's done. We're bullish. Uh, uh, bullish on Matz, right? And uh, so that's three starters that you've got right there. So why would you need to go get three more? Well, I mean, he also mentioned Drew Rom. So I mean, we, we like what we've seen of Drew Rom. And I, 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 well, number one, <laughs> the, the guy's got a fantastic dome. I'm not going to question uh, Drew, Drew Rom. He, he's got a good beard. He's got a nice shaved head. So <laughs> I'm, I, 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 I like what I've seen of Drew Rom also. But then I saw him pitch. And so maybe Mo was just watching the one game in Baltimore. I don't know. Maybe he was predisposed and missed out on the fact that the guy went one and four with an 8.02 earned run average. You just have to give him time, Randy. We like you have to what give we've him seen. time, right? I... Well, and you know what? Uh, here's the thing he only allowed 51 hits in 33 and two thirds innings. So if. Uh, Said it again? He allowed 51 <laughs> hits in 33.2 innings. It's not great, is it? His whip, his walks and hits for, for per innings pitched was more than two. 2.079. Two base runners in any. That means a runner in scoring position on average every single inning that you pitch. So That's nine, not, 19, not walk, 19 walks in 33 and two-thirds. No. Like this what we is, saw. All of this is deeply concerning mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, he did say three starting pitchers, and I just heard there where he was walking back on his comments. That is deeply concerning. When I said that. Because he also said earlier when he was speaking about the getting the three starting pitchers, he said, here? I think he is going to throw up. And I think oh, a lot man. of people listening are going to throw up too because when you say that even, remember, he said even when you see something in the second half of the season, we're still going to be aggressive when it comes to the pitching market this offseason. Now that concerns me because there's still so many question marks. Is Steven Matz going to be fully healthy enough for next season because he has had injuries in the past and he is a friend of the show, but still there is that history of injuries. Miles Michaelis, will that hopefully be a good year for him, as he said? Because Miles said, you know, he has the good years, bad years. Next year will be a good year. Will it be a fully good year for Miles Michaelis? And he has... He can be an innings eater, so that's something that you definitely need on your staff. You just hope that he can finish off uh, or do a little bit better than what you've seen this season. I I have so many concerns, and there, to me, there's still a lot of question marks, even more so than maybe what you felt like last offseason going here's into the thing. this year. Are you concerned about as much 
about the situation if they go out and sign Sonny Gray, who has historically been a 200-inning pitcher, if you go back to 2015. Um, so if, if they sign Sonny Gray, are any of your concerns alleviated? No. I'm still not feeling super confident about that. He is 35, Sonny Gray is. Uh, Sonny comes home. He is going to turn 34 in November. And I do understand that he has been pitching well. He's going to be the game two starter for the Twins, mm-hmm. by the way. So we'll see how that works out Get for him. Because you have his. Yeah. Because <laughs> you. What was his postseason record so far, Randy? Uh, he, he's got a win. Let's see. He pitched he, in, 2000, in the postseason. In, oh, and three. Yeah. Put, pitched in the postseason in 2013 and 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he has a quality start in his very first. Uh, major league postseason game in 2013, but then since then, uh, five innings, three and a third, five. He's, he he hasn't exactly been Chris Carpenter. No, doesn't right. sound like it. I I think if you just get Sonny Gray, I think that that will not be enough. And then if you go and find some more like possible three and four, you know, pitchers. I just don't. Sean Manaya. Uh, I don't know if that's enough to say that this is a secure starting rotation going to next season. When when Mo said this a while back that they were going to go get three starters, yeah. I said, yeah, I don't think so. You said that. I, I said, I, I think what's going to happen, I said the worst thing that can happen down the stretch is that some of these younger players start performing well enough to where he backs off of the three starters. I, I never thought that that was feasible. Where in the hell are they going to get three starters from? What From what market? What three starters were they going to get? Were they going to spend on Aaron Nola and Blake Snell or Sonny Gray and then trade for Dylan Cease? Was that what people thought was going to happen? I didn't. I was certain that they wouldn't spend that much money in the offseason on three players. So, therefore, it's not a surprise. But what was a surprise for you to say, it, Drew Rahm, probably a swell guy. You like what he saw? He likes what he saw. He, the, which, which part? The 8.02 ERA? Is that, <laughs> I didn't like it. If you're scoring, that, even if they would have come through with our eight runs a game. You eight. still lost by the point oh. two. <laughs> what the hell are we doing? <laughs> you would have had to. I, I don't I don't I don't understand. And and maybe it's not for me to understand, but I can tell you that the frustration, the level of frustration for Cardinals fans when 2024 arises and we are in the same position in terms of the starting pitching, when you don't go out and spend, it's gonna cost you money. You're going to have to spend. There are multiple suitors. There are this notion that that the St. Louis Cardinals are the only team in the major leagues that are trying to go get pitching in the offseason. Let me tell you something, fans. It, it ain't it ain't true. It, there are going to be multiple teams trying to get multiple pitchers that we are trying to get as well, which does what drives the number up. And so are the Cardinals. We know there are some teams that are willing to spend above and beyond. We've seen it. Doesn't mean they're going to win championships, but we've seen teams be willing to spend absurd amount of money for for starting pitching. Will the Cardinals be that? They have not shown that they are willing to do that. They have not shown that yet. And so, therefore, I don't know that maybe one, but damn sure it was never going to be three. Yeah. Well, you have to have success in this year's free agency. You have to go and be competitive. You can't just be in talks. And Derek Gould of the Post-Dispatch had an article that he just put out this past weekend where he talked about that the Cardinals are reportedly connected to Aaron Nola and Sonny Gray. And I was thinking about this earlier today, how they handle this offseason and the pitchers that they're able to attract and sign, I think will show how not only Major League Baseball views the Cardinals as an organization when it comes to market size and everything like that, but also how the Cardinals view themselves market size wise. Well, and 
we may have made a mistake in sending Aaron Nola to the zoo. Uh, <laughs> because now the Cardinals know that, right? And they think they get the hometown discount. And You guys want to be sad or mad, by the way, on this Tuesday morning? Speaking of hometown discounts, you want to be sad okay. or mad? So uh, it's a story that I, I think we've heard peripherally for a long time. But uh, the, the way the thing, the Max Scherzer uh, went down in 2014-15. Uh, so he's obviously represented by Boris. And uh, according to uh, people very close to Max, he got the offer from the Nationals. $210 million over seven years. Reaches out to friend of the show, Wednesdays with Wayno, Adam Wainwright. Says, okay, I got this offer from the Nationals. I want to pitch in St. Louis. Call your guy. Tell him just be in the ballpark. I don't want to. I don't. They don't need to match. Just be in the ballpark of seven and two ten. And I'm a cardinal. I want to be a cardinal. I want to be in St. Louis. The call to Scherzer and or his representatives was never made. Didn't engage at all. Why and would Scherzer, you not just engage in the conversation? And Scherzer has hated the Cardinals ever since. Yeah. And has has a beef. With the Cardinal front Is office. Is that where his kind of like rage, the the crazy side of Max Scherzer well, he started? Was already there, but probably more against the Cardinals. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, that's so that's for as rare as the hometown discount has become, it was there and they didn't even engage. Now, I've always defended the Cardinals a little bit because of who they had, but he, mm-hmm. the guy was a Cy Young Award winner by that point. Uh, the, the Cardinals pitching staff in after 2014 was good. But if the guy's giving you the hometown discount, you got to, it seems to me, at least make the phone call. And apparently it never did. That's uh, why he has always rejected the idea of coming to St. Louis again. Well, and that's why I'm just interested to see, one, how these free agents view the Cardinals and their situation currently. If they do believe that they can turn around as quickly as next season, because even though Mo walked back on the three pitcher comments, do you think that they still believe in that they will be able to turn this around as quickly as next season? How they approach this offseason will determine that and how people view the Cardinals as market size when you're thinking about where they fit into the situation and I mean, also how the Cardinals view themselves. You can't be just middling in the market. And, Brooke, Dave Duncan's not walking through that door. So you better get guys that know what they're doing that don't need to be coached exceptionally well. Yes. Uh, Guys that can do it on their own. Yes, especially as you're trying to figure out this new pitching philosophy, too. Yeah. Can we find a pitcher that you you say, okay, Casey Blake, you get the credit for this guy? (laughs) Dusty Casey Blake, Blake, Casey Blake, Dusty Blake, whatever. <laughs> you, you, you I, I don't the, know if you've gotten his name right. You've you got his you uh, sometimes. You know what yeah. they, they say, yeah. Colonel Blake. Here's the thing: they, they say you don't you don't get to get your name called right until you do something worth remembering. Mm-hmm. So you know you got to you got to be memorable I mean, in order for people to call you by your right name. Zach Thompson said he, he said I got better because I started paying attention to what Clayton Kershaw was doing. Right? He said that. Matthew Libertor would go down and hit throw 97 in the minors and then come up and throw 93, 94 here and get knocked around. Uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to find... Genesis uh, Cabrera goes and lights it up for Toronto. Chris Stratton goes and lights it up for Texas. Jordan Montgomery's basically the same guy. He does what he does. Who? Jordan uh, Hicks. Jordan Hicks. Same guy in Toronto that he that he was here. He did improve he this back. season. So he you have, he you got back to what he, what he was. Who's, yeah. oh, I'll give him, uh, let's give him Jordan Hicks. Okay. Who's getting better under... Uh, Mr. Blake. I got one. Okay. okay Joe, Joe Romero. There you go. He Yo! got better. He got yes. his first yep. first save. win, yep. first save of the year ever. Joe, Joe Romero. Yep. Credit where credit there is you go. due. There you go. That's yep. the one. Congratulations, Don. That's Good job. <laughs>
<laughs> Coming up. Done? <laughs> you done messed up, Balake. Oh. <laughs> Coming up, John Kelly, the TV voice of the blues on 101 ESPN. Congratulations. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Blues nine days away from opening their regular season in Dallas and with Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. We welcome to the conversation the TV voice of the Blues, John Kelly, on this Taco Tuesday morning. Good morning, JK. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing well. It's uh, it's always fun to watch the uh, the preseason for a hockey team because you really don't know, especially with as many young players. And last night was more of the regular lineup, but uh, we're we're watching the evolution of a franchise that is getting ready for October 12th. Well, exactly. And last night's game was a typical preseason game, Randy. You know, they had roughly half their their team in the lineup and obviously traveled day of the game and had a a really bad first period. Um, Unfortunately, anytime they made a mistake, it was a big mistake. And the puck ended up in the back of their net and they fell behind 4-0 early in the second and fought back and, you know, almost tied the game um, late in the third period. So there were some good things, though. I thought, you know, Krug's first game was, was very positive. He looked confident and, and uh, moving the puck and skating well. Um, Perunovic, I thought, had a really good game. And, you know, when he skates, Randy, and, and, and guys, he, he's really an effective player. He m- moves his feet, and, and he's got great puck handling skills. And obviously, Brana got a couple of goals, and um, especially the second goal on the power play was just a wicked one-timer. If he can shoot the puck from... Uh, the dangerous areas like that, he's going to score some goals. So there were some positives despite the loss last night. Well, J.K., you just talk about Tory Krug there, and I know that Justin Falk and Krug both finished minus three on the night. And it's just preseason, but I think the biggest thing was just seeing Tory Krug's progression. What have you thought about him uh, so far? And I know it was his preseason debut after dealing with this injury. Well, I'll be honest, Brooke, I haven't really seen much of him. He he he, he was in the, the practice the other day for the first time, uh, and so – we haven't had a, had a good look, but I, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, he, he says he feels good and his, his uh, leg or ankle, whatever it is, is, is fine. So, you know, the Blues have a couple of more games to go before the regular season. Um, we'll see if he plays in, in, in both of those games or one of the games. Um, but, I, you know, again, I thought he moved well. And, and you know, the plus minus uh, stat is very deceptive. Um, you know, you can be on the ice and have nothing to do with a goal or you, or you can have a direct impact on a goal, but you know, I, it's not like he was terrible in his own zone and, you know, gave the puck away on all three goals. Um, I, I just think big picture, it was good to see him out there and moving the puck and, you know, on the power play in particular, I thought you looked very confident, and that's great. J.K., I asked Kerber this yesterday, and I'm going to ask you, do you have any concern about the number of shots on goal that the Blues are giving up right now? You know, again, Kerry, I would not read too much into into preseason games. I, quite honestly, you know, Craig Bruby has mentioned this a couple of times. It's it's more of the lack of, of shots at the other end. And this was sort of a trend last season. Um, the Blues were a bit reluctant to shoot the puck. And, and I, I've seen some signs of that early. Um, but again, you have to put an asterisk on it because you're pl- basically playing every game with half your lineup. But um, obviously... You know, shots are a direct correlation to, to goals usually and scoring chances. So I'd like to see the Blues put more pucks on net. And especially when, the, you know, the defensemen have the puck back at the blue line and, 
you know, walking the line and things like that, you know, get pucks come on net. Sometimes the Blues are a bit reluctant to shoot the puck. John, we've talked a lot about the size of this squad and also about the intensity of practices. Uh, are there any comparisons to be made between this and the big heavy Blues that were the, obviously the Cup champs and then the, the team the year after? From a size and intensity standpoint, are you seeing any comparisons? Well, you know, I'd have to do a deep dive, Randy, into the, the numbers. You know, are they as big a team? I, I don't think so. Certainly not on defense when, you know, you had the likes of, of Bo Meester and, and Joel Edmondson and guys like that. And McCrangelo was a big guy. Um, so they're not as big up front, though. You know, they've added Kevin Hayes and, and, and Oscar Sundquist. And, you know, McEachern's not a little guy either. So, you know, I, I don't know statistically, statistically how close they are. Um, but I, I, I have liked the the – the tenacity they've played with this year in the preseason and the fight. And, you know, I think they lost some of that fight and their, their certain, you know, not will to compete, but, you know, they, they needed to compete harder um, at times. And, and I've, I've liked the, the scraps and the fights. And, you know, last night they fought back when they were down 4 nothing, as I said. So um, I, I don't think you have to run over people or necessarily even fight, but you've got to compete every night. And I think that's what the coaching staff is really looking for. Verona had three points, two goals, and an assist last night for uh, the Blues. What do you think the ceiling is for him this season? You know, Brooke, there's no no question he could score 25 goals. If he if he could stay healthy and, you know, play in the top nine every night, get some power play time, with, with his shot and his speed, um, there's no reason. He, he can't light the lamp at least 25 times. And But I think the key for him, like most players, is he's got to get to the inside. And that's where most goals are scored, even though he did score a couple of goals on the perimeter last night with a shot. But, you know, he's going to have to rely on getting to the inside and, you know, getting tipping goals and rebounds and things like that. So I think if he can do that, coupled with the fact that he's got great speed and a great shot, uh, there's no question he can he can get at least 25. J.K., how well is uh, Kevin Hayes meshing with his line right now? Well, you know, again, it's hard. They've mixed and matched, and he was with Blay and, and Verona last night, and, you know, he's played fine to me. And, um, it, again, it's hard to analyze players when they, you know, they come into a team and, you know, they're not necessarily playing every game, obviously, and they're in and out. And uh, these preseason games, I think, are just tough to analyze. But I think Kevin Hayes has been fine and sort of has advertised. He had 18 goals last year at the Flyers. He's a big body. Um, you know, killing penalties last night on the power play, things like that. So um, I think he's been he's been good so far. J.K., always good to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Enjoy your beautiful October day. Okay, thank you. Take care. Have a good day. You too. That is John Kelly, TV voice of the Blues here in St. Louis, and he joins us every Tuesday here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight. Uh, Matthew, you got a fighter already? No, we don't. We need a fighter. Text in. The text line is open. The Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Text in your name and the word fight. Maybe you'll fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker!
I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Jason. Jason, how you doing? Doing great. Are you ready to take on Randy Carricker? Uh, I guess right now, All right, here we go. Luisa Rise became the first player since 1914-15 to lead two different leagues in hits in consecutive seasons. Which team did Arise lead the AL in in hits last season? Was it the Astros, the Twins, or the Guardians? Uh, that would be the Twins. All right. With 93, who finished as the 2023 Cardinals RBI leader? Was it Nolan Arnato, Paul Goldschmidt, or Nolan Gorman? Nolan Gorman. Ten players have won multiple MVPs in NFL history. Who was the only one to go seven seasons between their wins? Is it Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Johnny Unitas? Peyton Manning. On this day in 2021, Tom Brady became the all-time leading passer in NFL history. Who did he pass? Was it Brett Favre, Dan Marino, or Drew Brees? Uh, Brett Favre. Jason, I like that round. That was quick and to the point. I appreciate it. Yeah. We're going to check the scores. We're going to bring in Randy Carricker. <laughs> All right, Jason, how, how does it feel? Uh, I need to throw a marker at not you. Not as easy on the radio. <laughs> Not as easy on the radio. It's much easier no. sitting in the car when there's no pressure on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. Well, you know, when you're there by yourself, you have nothing to win. But when you're on here, you have a have an opportunity to beat down Randy Carricker, and we all love a good fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I do. Rock, <laughs> rock roots for Randy every day. What? Am I wrong? I, I, root, I, root, I root for my own anxiety, I think oh, is how I put it. So you root anxiety. for Randy. <laughs> Yeah, it just happens to coincide with those crossroads there at some point. I root for me. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Jason. Jason, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good morning, Randy. Good morning. Great to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. All right. All right thank you. Randy, you ready? Ready. Luisa Rise became the first player since 1914-15 to lead the league to to lead two different leagues in con- in hits in consecutive seasons. Which team did Arise lead the AL in in hits last season? Uh, he got traded from the Minnesota Twins to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez. Minnesota Twins would have been his team last year. Brooke, is that the? What are you doing? You throw <laughs> stuff. That's this, the second this, time, though. <laughs> it would be one thing if it was the first it's, time. It's, it's not staying on the sharpie. Who did you attack no. this time, Brooke? <laughs> the ground. <laughs> Brad Thompson's cut out behind me. I didn't mean to. Um, it, the top won't stay on. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyways, so question number two. With 93, who finishes the 2023 Cardinals RBI leader? I believe that would have been Nolan Arenado. Didn't get to 30 and 100, though. We thought he would, but then he got hurt. You know what happened to him? Bad back. When did that happen? About a week back. Oh, no. (laughs) May. (laughs) March. Is it May, March, April? (laughs) April. Had a few. (laughs) Ten players have won multiple MVPs in NFL history. Who was the only one to go seven seasons between their wins? Uh, Seven seasons between MVPs. Um, Ten... I think I know, but I'm going to use the lifeline here, big boy. Is it Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, or Johnny Unitas? Okay. I was thinking maybe Aaron Rodgers, but no, it's not him. Uh, So I will go with um, 
I will go with Tom Brady. Final question. On this day in 2021, Tom Brady became the all-time leading passer in NFL history. Who did he pass? Leading passer in what category? Passing yards. 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 I believe he uh, passed one Drew Brees, if I'm not mistaken. When somebody says all-time leading rusher, all-time leading receiver, all-time leading passer, is that not is is yards not the assumption? Am I doing that wrong? Yeah, there's just multiple categories that could try to confuse me here. Okay, that's fair. I just like when I hear like all, like when I hear like Emmitt Smith, all-time leading rusher, like I just like, yeah, he's, yards yeah, is like yeah, tagged yeah, on yards, in my yeah. head. So I'm just like I'm like yeah. I don't want to be confused. But I think people, people do. I, I think people do look at touchdown passes though. Okay, that's fair. That's very fair. That's very fair. But that was just yards. Uh, we do have a winner in today's fight. Yesterday was a tricky one. Randy made me change it on the fly, and it, and, and it benefited him. Let the controversy reign. In this fight, no questions were changed. And did Randy able to? Was there any no able to come away with a fight anyhow? No answers were changed either. That's I don't know. That's things get a little wonky. That was a that was a bad day. <laughs> this was a good day. Was there a winner in today's fight? Was it Jason or was it Randy? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight. Randy Carriker. Just win, baby. I wrote you this too, Randy. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! You got you used one of the options, but you did get the jack. Anyhow, it was a four-one win for Randy Carriker in the fight. Jason, thank you so much for playing. Thank you so much for joining the show. But unfortunately, Mega Mind just a little bit too much today. Yeah, it was pretty tough, so thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for joining us. Luis Arise became the first player since 1914-15 to lead different leagues in hitting in consecutive season. It was, in fact, the Twins that he did it with last year. With 93, who finished the season the Cardinals' RBI leader, and it was, in fact, Nolan Arenado with 93. He also was the home run leader just above Nolan Gorman. Or, sorry, Gorman had one more than him. Excuse me, the other way around. Ten players have won multiple MVPs in NFL history. The only one to go seven seasons between wins is, in fact, Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers went six. On this day in 2021, Tom Brady became the all-time leading passer in NFL history. He passed Drew Brees just over 80,000 yards. He would then go on to tack another 9,000 yards on top of it. So that leads a little bit safe for a while for Tom Brady. So a 4-1 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Do you know who won, who was the uh, 1914-15 leader in uh, both leagues? It was not, the National and the American League were not, uh, was not, uh, sorry. One one of the leagues is not, yeah. No. No one. No. It was okay. Benny Koff. Oh, Benny. Yeah. You the remember fair. Benny? Yeah. I, I, or, or Benny Loff. Yeah. Oh, but that's. <laughs> Who are we going with? Benny Koff? Or yeah, Benny, Benny Koff. Yeah, you know, you know the Federal League. You're you're a historian of the Federal League, right? Uh, yeah, I am, and I know him well because of that that play in left field, that cough drop. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Stop. No. no. Oh, my God. Oh. Oh my. That was terrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, you heard what Mo had to say, and we'll, we'll tell you again. Backing off of the three new starting pitchers claim that the Cardinals made right around the trade deadline uh, in August. And now... Uh, well, when I said that, I thought we only have one starting pitcher. We're going to play that for you, but we want to hear what you think of the Cardinals and the way they're informing you. 
and uh, what your thought process is. Do you think the Cardinals need three starters, or has Zach Thompson convinced you? You can leave us a mic drop with the mic drop feature with the 101 ESPN app, or you can send us a text on the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, yo You okay with Michaelis? Are you bullish on Mats and Thompson and then getting two, two new guys? Or would you rather rebuild this starting rotation? You're next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, I think think when I said three, it was at a time where we were really down to one starter at that point. And I will say... You know, we are still bullish on Matt's. We think, like, from a physical standpoint, he'll be in a good spot next year. I think, uh, really, Thompson has stepped up. But we know we're going to need some big innings, some quality innings. And at the very least, we also know we're going to have to add some depth there because we're going to need some protection. Certainly pleased with what we saw out of Rom. But, you know, what will his role be next year? Hard to say. And so lots of questions that we can be asking ourselves right now. But that will help build the GPS for this offseason. That is John Mozeliak on Sunday before the game. He was with uh, Jimmy the Cat Hayes on Bally Sports, kind of backing off a comment that he made on August 14th in which he said that the Cardinals were going to be aggressive in acquiring three starting pitchers during the offseason. Now, everybody's allowed to change their mind, but my opinion as a baseball observer, I didn't see enough during the last month and a half of the season the last half of August and September to make me believe that he should back off the comments of three starting pitchers. I, I didn't. I mean, Randy, you know how I felt. I, I never felt that he was going to actually be three starters. If it was, it wasn't going to be. Th- that's the the when when you hear certain things, I think your brain automatically goes to what you want it to be. And so, three starters in most Cardinal fans' minds meant Aaron Nola, Blake Snell, mm-hmm. Sonny Gray, somewhere along those lines, which was never going to happen because that's a lot of money going out of the out of the the the, the good old pocketbook if you were to spend that money that amount of money. They need three starters though. However, you find them, whether it's one ace. Uh, via free agency, a two A 2A or or one A, one B in 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 uh, via trade, and then maybe a guy that you just trust as your third or fourth starter. They have an issue right now where you got Miles Michaelis, you got Stephen Matz, and he says they 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 like what Zach Thompson did, they they like what Drew Rom did, but where is he going to be? That's four guys, but it, it, you'll be in the same position that you were in this year. You need a number one and a number two, and I don't know that Miles Michaelis right now is a number two. Maybe he could get that back, but I don't know that he is. I think he's a three. Yeah. I think uh, around top. there. But yeah. it, I think adding to that point, too, they are going to have to be still aggressive. I don't think that they're – if you aggressive. had too many – Aggressive. Yes. A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E, aggressive. Were you a cheerleader, Randy? I listened to him. Oh, Clearly. okay. You paid attention to the cheerleaders. Surprising. Uh, no, <laughs> um, I think that they they still need to be aggressive because I'm just going to hold on to the fact of I think that what he said in the middle of the season is true. That if you still had question marks middle of the season, you said that no matter what happened in the second half, that you were still going to be aggressive this offseason, then you still need to do that because there's too many question marks. Steven Matz, did he look better right before the injury? Yes, but... 
how healthy will he be able to be? Because we have seen that history with him. And then Miles Michaelis, what are you going to get from Miles Michaelis next season? You hope in general, because it was a down year for the entire pitching staff, essentially, especially the starting rotation specifically, you would hope that maybe this will be a bounce back year for him. It's just there's too many question marks. And I think Zach Thompson has looked good. I just saw him more as kind of a depth role because injuries, of course, are likely to happen and you need to be prepared for that. And you weren't exactly the season for that. So I think Zach Thompson is a great option and possibility as you're getting down into the season for a depth piece. But I just don't know if I feel secure about that rotation that we're looking at right now. And I hear we're bullish on Matt's and I, I hearken back to last year at the winter warm-up when Mo said, I feel better about Jack Flaherty than I ever have. Yeah. I, I'm not going to count on a guy who, as a Cardinal, has given me no reason to believe that he can stay healthy for six months. I like Steven Matz. I like him as a guy. I like him as a pitcher. But that doesn't mean that I'm confident that he's going to be able to stay healthy. And by the way, we're talking about this on the heels of the August 14th quote. And here's what Mo said. Realistically, we know we have to add three starters this offseason. We know we have to add depth. We went into this season thinking we would have to have that covered. It didn't work out that way. I think having a repeat of that would not be in the best interest of the franchise. So I think our approach is going to be very aggressive on the pitching side. Good job, Mo. It Thank needs you. to be aggressive. That's the point. It, they need to be aggressive yeah. on the pitching side because also, if you remember, just looking at some of the Mosella quotes from this entire season, remember winter warm-up when he was asked about you know how they approached the pitching market? I think they got some sticker shock, but he mm-hmm. talked about at first that they weren't exactly involved and then they were involved, and that was kind of confusing, but then the guys they were possibly involved with, I'm assuming that Quintana was one of those pitchers. You know, there's injuries, so hindsight's twenty. <laughs> 20 with that one but remember he said it when the season was about to begin it could be a strategic mistake when they were going with six starters and not getting another possible starting pitcher it was a strategic mistake you can't make another strategic mistake with what you're doing in this offseason so if you need to go and get three starting pitchers because you already were able to evaluate that at the midway point of the season then I would assume that's still to be true now right texts at the uh, text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Uh, the first one, the most important from the 573. I didn't realize Randy could do imitations. That's a fantastic <laughs> imitation of Mo. <clears throat> no, that was Mo. Yeah, he just called in yeah. very quickly. Uh, another text, it's all Mo's fault. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, another one from the 618, we'll be in the same situation next year. When... You're an organization and you have a fan base that feels that way, that we'll be in the same situation next year. That's kind of troubling. Can I, can I, can I do something here? Yeah. Give yeah. you a, and Steven Matt or three of your five stars. Okay. Let, let's, let's, let's just do that. Do that. Okay. okay. You still can go out and get an ace via free agency okay. and you can trade for a, an ace, a, okay. a one, a one B type of deal or one and a two, whatever makes you comfortable that we're okay with that so far. Yeah. Are you okay with uh, uh, Dakota Hudson, Jojo Romero, Drew Rom, Tink Hintz, Libertor being parts of your bullpen? Parts. 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 Not the whole. You, you still got to yeah. fill in yeah. some. Yeah. And, and so if you got, or, or I give you seven names and you can pick four or five out of there and then go get maybe four or five more veteran players. I'm cool with that, especially if I can have 
those names be a Memphis shuttle. And, and where, the flexibility. Yeah. Yes. That's one of the yeah. issues that they had last year, not having the flexibility. So you got Libertor, McGreevy, Hintz, Graceffo, Rom, Hudson. Jojo Romero, I think, has solidified his role, whatever that may be, in this bullpen for 2024. Yeah. And, but and those other guys. It sounds like Roby might be kind of in the mix, too. Jacoba Roby, right? Put him on the list yeah. as well. Yeah. But for, you, got, you, got, hard. you got a lot of guys that you can rotate in. Some guys get injured. Some guys mm-hmm. need, to, need to go down and retool and fix some things. You can do that, but then get three or four veteran guys that have been in the league established Huge thing. in that spot. So you just solved the issue, you, but you have to make sure that it is a priority in 2024, in this offseason. And the other thing you have to do, and again, I don't know what the guy does, but when I see Chris Stratton go elsewhere and pitch well, when I see Henesis Cabrera go elsewhere and pitch well, I want for those young pitchers and those guys I'm trying to resurrect, I want somebody that I feel confident in being able to resurrect them. Yes, 100%. That's that's the biggest thing is that you need to know that if you are you have young pitchers coming in, you have to continue to develop them because you need to solve the bullpen issues too and also figure out the future of this organization or have options available. And I've seen some people text in, there's nothing aggressive about John Mosellock. There's been this has been such a terrible season. You have to do something different than what you have done in the past. This is a huge chance for the Cardinals to do that. Now, I would I would disagree vehemently with the idea that Mo isn't aggressive. He aggressively Got a was, catcher. was able to go out and move players this year. The yes. Reds didn't. Uh, there's a lot of teams that don't have the ability to sell. They were aggressive in getting Arenado. They've been aggressive in getting Contreras, as you mentioned. They were aggressive in getting Goldie. They were aggressive in getting Ozuna. They made more. The, the Cardinals have made more big trades over the last half dozen years than any other team in baseball. So aggressiveness isn't the issue. It's smart spending that's the issue. Yes, and you have seen that in the history with the free agent signings. And mm-hmm. when you look back at this possible Wilson Contreras situation, if they move him into the left field, what does that look like when you're looking at the, and evaluating yeah. how free agency signings have gone. Yeah, it could be it could be rugged. Yeah. It may, from a free agency signing standpoint, no. If he's playing left field for you, it's not great, as uh, as Mo has said previously. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to City's head coach Bradley Carnell. His, his side is in Vancouver tomorrow night, and we're going to talk to him about clinching the top seed in the West and about what they do heading down the stretch here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's the only way City knows how to play. Oh, that's completely given away. And it's an equalizer. In a word. Chaos. Oh, it's a giveaway to Klaus. He collects it and resists the anger. And scores a wonderful goal. We're breaking down City SC on the Opening Drive in our weekly segment we like to call Controlled Chaos. Brought to you by Keystone Event Staffing. Better people mean better events. Yeah, it's not just me. Um, uh, I saw Tim angry too. Uh, Joachim disappointed too because um, we worked really hard for um, for uh, clean sheet. is like something special for the whole defense. If um, line and uh, for me too, obviously. And uh, I just I think this this if you have this mentality that um, it bothers you even though we are four goals up that we that when we are not uh, concentrated or focused enough um, to keep that clean sheet because. To be honest, it was unnecessary to, to concede that. 
Good to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker, and we head to the celebrity line now. And St. Louis City SC's head coach, Bradley Carnell, joins us. The head coach of the Western Conference MLS champion, St. Louis City SC. Uh, coach, yeah. good to have you with us. Congratulations. Good, good morning, everybody. I mean, listen, I mean, the Western, it's the number one seed, right? So we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. I mean, it's a nice uh, it's a nice thing to have achieved the first uh, spot in the West. Um, to be the champions, we have to win their playoffs. You know, we have to go advance through the next three rounds or whatever it is in the playoffs um, and make that ours. You know, we, we feel pretty good with it. Um, and again, it's just sentiment to all the hard work of the people around here. But uh, yeah, baby steps, and, and we've come a long way. Um, but yeah, to be crowned champions, we there's no silverware with just clinching the West. So that's the only thing. There's a big debate going on in the office here, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I always defer to the head coach, and I know that you've got, as they say, bigger fish to fry. Yeah, 100%. Um, and again, it's just something that... Uh, yeah, we've we've kind of dreamed about, but turned the dreams into reality pretty quickly. You know, from what seems as though is like a a three to five year plan has somehow been fast tracked. Um, but if you see the work and the dedication and the hours put in here, um, it's almost understandable that this team is where it is at the moment. Well, Coach, I know that you said that you guys are just looking ahead right now, but was there a little bit of moment of celebration or, you know, at least some cheering amongst the team? Because I know you guys didn't find out until Sunday, depending on what happened with yeah. LAFC, but it's a little bit of celebration. It's been it's been kind of weird. Obviously, there's group text and, and some messages going on and, and what have you. And those those text messages felt like a New Year's Eve party, you know, because uh, there were just so many messages coming from all over the league and all over the world. And it was it was pretty amazing. But uh, as a group, you know, it was quite strange. It was very uh, peculiar. When we qualified for playoffs, we had to wait two hours or three hours after our uh, second to last game. I think it was um, uh, when we played here at, at home. Um, and then we qualified for playoffs, but we were just sitting in the office with some of the staff. And then when we when we won the West, it was also when we were all at home on on an off day, you know. So we haven't really, as a group, been able to connect. And we kind of just got back in the office this week, and we know Vancouver is just around the corner. So it was pretty much business as usual. So and that stood us really, really well as as a group now, not not really having moments to celebrate too much. So hopefully, as a group, we'll get to do that postseason. Well, you heard at the top of the segment there, Roman Berkey, who has a league best 114 saves along with eight clean sheets. Surely makes him, I would assume, a shoe in for MLS goalkeeper of the year. But what do you think about MLS MVP coach? Yeah, I said it a couple of weeks ago that uh, he definitely has an argument before that, uh, for that. I think it was Tony Miola that was uh, the only one to ever achieve that status uh, of MVP. Um I think Roman's well within his rights um, and, and us as a group to fully support and substantiate that MVP case because what he has done single-handedly, um, you know, and just typically the style of play. And listen, I see good goalkeepers all over the league and you could see one on, on the weekend uh, against uh, Sporting KC with Tamilia. It should have been 2-0 for us at halftime. Um, and then Roman has two big saves in the, in the flow of second half. So, you know, there are good goalkeepers in the league, but, I mean, Roman definitely does stand out. He plays both sides of the ball. You know, he's very good at, at defending the goal and he's very good at orchestrating the attack. So, you know, he brings a whole multitude of skill sets to to his game, and, and he's proven that. Um, goalkeeper of the year is, is uh, for me, a foregone conclusion. Coach, you all play tomorrow in Vancouver, but don't have another game until the 21st of October. What is the plan uh, for that stretch where you all will be off? 
Um, Kerry, yeah, so we're going to uh, take this game very seriously. Uh, we're able to turn guys around and, and hopefully, you know, we'll put out a very competitive squad. Um, and then we travel back on Thursday. Uh, we'll, we'll give the boys a three, four day break. Um, I think uh, some of, you know, some at this point of the season, there's a couple of uh, knocks and bruises uh, just to iron out before we go to that Seattle leg. Uh, we will try and play a scrimmage and inter-squad or, or what have you against one of our maybe City 2 or, or one of the academy teams, just to keep our momentum going. Um, uh, that'll be on the 14th, I believe. So, you know, we'll do a definite uh, game planning of a weekend on the 14th, and then we'll come back um, and be ready for that Seattle game and the prep to that. So we're going to keep ourselves occupied, but we're going to find a balance of, of freshness and readiness as well as, uh, you know, just uh, daily daily grind. Now that you have the number one seed clinched, how do you feel about where your team is heading into the playoffs? And obviously, there's a few. Do you think there's still room to grow? Yeah, I've seen a real positive outlook since the Orlando away stretch. We knew we had a really difficult stretch at that time where we had only two home games, Randy, and then four away games um, mixed in there as well, and, and three on the road back to back to back. So that was a really tough stretch. And you know, we just thinking about some of those games. I mean, Houston, what a performance from the boys. LA Galaxy away, we tied 2-2, but what a performance from the boys. And, you know, we go away to Minnesota, what a performance yet again. So we've kept games tight. Roman's job, you know, even though, you know, we haven't given up as make, as much XG expected goals against us in this last stretch as we have in the first sort of segments of the season. So I feel we've become a tidy unit. I feel... You know, obviously the introduction of Joachim Nielsen, um, you know, getting healthy and getting fit and getting ready. I thought it's helped our case and, and it's helped the structure and stability of our group um, and also the leadership on the field. But, uh, yeah, I, I've been really comfortable, you know, without talking too much or, or thinking we're peaking at, at, at the wrong time. I think we're getting there slowly. Um, with two games to go, I'm, I'm really feeling that bar any injuries and knock on wood, um, I think we're in a good spot. We uh, talked about how the, the warm weather here in St. Louis during the course of the summer would benefit your squad, and I, I believe it did. What about once you get to postseason? You've been there with New York. Is it difficult for a warm weather team to come to a city like St. Louis in November where it's cooler and have to deal with the, the elements, or does it make any difference? It's interesting you mention that. Normally, you know, all the pundits and everybody had always said, can they do it? in a warm weather climate, you know, can we continue with the press um, during the summer months? Um, and is it sustainable? So, you know, a pressing team needs cooler temperatures. A pressing team needs, you know, optimal conditions to, to be relentless. And, you know, credit to the group. They found ways to do it over the summer months. You know, we've been strategic in how we implement the press. Um, so I, I would only argue we get better as it gets cooler. Coach, you all, uh, in sports, the thing that thrives and, and really drives sports is rivalries. You all have uh, begun a rivalry sport in KC. What, is that, what does that mean to you? Are, are you starting to feel that, that rivalry from the, the cross-state rivals? It, it's getting there. Um, it's growing on me, you know, because <laughs> to try and organically just plant something and say from one day to the next, you, these are your rivals, good luck, and go and enjoy. Um, you know, I think there has to be a little bit of – you know, I just think of Sam Adinaran's tackle, um, you know, uh, in this last game against Jake Davis. Like those type of things and the way the players react. And, you know, we play on the borderline of, of aggressive but fair. Um, and, and, you know, actually, if we give away too many fouls, uh, we break our press. So 
I know with it's the number one fouling team in the league, but it was also with the most successful tackles in the league. So, mm. you know, we have to give something to gain something. Um, but yeah, you know, for the most part, I can see this rivalry growing across state lines. And just to see how, and I would say after the second game, how many fans we had in, in their stadium, that for me was really impressive. And I was like, wow. And then you see how they didn't really return the favor. You know, they really respected <laughs> us coming to our stadium. And there was only a small bunch of SKT fans. So for us, we totally dominated that series on and off the field. Yeah, it was interesting to see that with Sporting KC. I mean, uh, Kansas uh, this past weekend. I mean, the fan support, we've been talking about uh, with you all season about this, but it just really seemed like the atmosphere is growing more and more with the fans at City Park, right? Yeah, 100%. And, and I mean, we were really impressed against Charlotte on, on our match day two. Um, and, and we thought, no, we couldn't get any better than that. I think you've just seen match day 32, uh, Trump match day two. So, you know, we've just got stronger as a group on and off the field, fans, culture, you know. Yeah, um, soccer capital. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> We're just doing our bit on and off the field, which is amazing. You are amazing on and off the field. The organization's done a magnificent job and there's more to come. Coach, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it and we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate it. Take care. See, See you later. Bradley Carnell, head coach of St. Louis City SC, joining us on the opening drive. The uh, okay, Western Conference number one seed. Yeah, maybe I was maybe I, w- I was going a little bit Nashville Predators there. With Western <laughs> Conference champions. I a lot of people have been just saying you know Western Conference champions. And I'm like, I think we yeah. really got to be saying regular season Western yeah. Conference champions. Do you, do you put that Western Conference in, in bold and then the number one seed kind of in like the smaller yeah, letters yeah, underneath? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think we have the green light to call it the the. the the soccer field as opposed to the pitch. He also said he, two, he also said 2-0. Yeah. yeah. He, he, two, no. So we we have I, I like we no. have we have uh, a little leeway uh, here. It's kind of like Yakub. I want it to be a cube, okay. so I want to say All pitch. Right. I want to say boots. I want to okay, say nil. I want to say then. clean sheets. All Thank that you. stuff. To Brooks Love point, I, I I don't think it's crazy that the MLS at different times has told people, hey, don't like don't try to Europe and like Europe. Make, <laughs> don't try to use the Euro words. Try yeah. to make it more American so that people feel like they can be more conversational. Like I have a feeling that like the league is told like, well, like we are. Do me a favor, like don't like call it a field. Say zero we're, because we're, they don't want it to be too Euro. We're football aficionados here, so we'll call it yeah. what it is. I mean, it's <laughs> major football. league soccer. It's football. It's major league soccer. Play it on a pitch in their kits. They play soccer Thank on you. with their and boots our on. Our side is number one going Jersey. into the playoffs. Thank you. There you, you go. Side. So, so I like saying side though. There you go. I do too. And like, are we going to all of a sudden start saying that there's a schedule? It's and a table. No, no, a it's schedule. A, it, no, it's yeah. fi- fixtures. It's a fixture and the table is, is standings. Set. No, it's a table. Yeah, the table okay, so is set. We're, we're just picking and choosing here. Then it's <laughs> almost like it's arbitrary. <laughs> so it kind of seems like it. Thanks to Bradley Carnell and uh, St. Louis City SC. Coming up, we've got our rush hour reset. You don't want to be a Giants fan today on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. So, uh, first of all, 917, time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, officially licensed for Alexa. I knew you were going <laughs> to. Brooke, Brooke, Brooke and Carrie are trying to Google uh, 
Oh, you can't a, say a, it. The, a brick outhouse <laughs> because somebody is built like one. So then Googling, okay, so like what? Because Matthew had used the term, not a, a brick outhouse, but the other term that we can't say yeah. on here. So uh, the, these two are Googling that. I just knew you were going to, is it this or is it that? <laughs> get your polls in. Get your texts in. <laughs> so, is there a way to put that out there Texas where now. we don't say Oh, oh okay. All right. Yeah. So a uh, tough night for the New York football giants last night. They just are not very good up front on the offensive line. just take the football line. out of that. Yeah. You just call them the New York Giants. New York, Don't yeah. call them the football Giants. So that, that's not football they were playing. Yeah, no. it was bad. So yeah. are you saying that Daniel Jones is built like a brick outhouse? He better be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be sacked 11 times. He better be yeah. tough. Holy cow. That's, and uh, they just, number one, they gave all that money to Daniel Jones. They, have, they didn't have a choice. No, they didn't. But, just, uh, and they do need to. They, they need to fix the offensive line. He was good last year when he had a decent offensive line. And a decent running game. That mm-hmm. helps to have Saquon Barkley, yeah. too. Yeah. Uh, the Blues lost last night at Columbus by a score of 5-3. to A couple of preseason games left for your St. Louis Blues. And the next one is against the Dallas Stars on the 5th. A couple of days from now on Thursday, Blues and Stars pregame at 6 here on 101 ESPN. We have playoff baseball for you both today and tomorrow. Go cards. Hmm? Go cards. No, sorry. Oh. sorry. Go cards. It's, it's, I know it's playoff time. It it's, feels it's weird, but no cards. We, we the no red October what? this year. Yeah. Uh, well, well, there is a red October, just not here. Yeah, the Phillies <sighs> are doing the red October. I yeah. I texted this. I do you guys feel weird about the Phillies doing red October? Because my first thought they, was always they, the Cardinals. Are they? They're like a burgundy. They're not really red. Yeah, they think and, they're red. Yeah. The reds are red. Yeah. Now, they claim in Philly that they've been doing it since at least 2011. And they were but haven't the Cardinals been doing it? Since like the turn of the century. That's, that's what I was <laughs> yeah. thinking. And yeah. so when I saw it, because I saw they were they had the shirts that say Red October. I'm like, wait a minute. That's not mm-hmm. for you. No, that's that's not for you Philly fans. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they took it from us last year. They probably did. They took a lot from us last year. They won it. That was also yeah. part of it when they when yeah, they won. The and they, they said, well, we're going to take that one from you. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a purist. That's only for the Wolverines. No. 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 <laughs> so today you've got four games, uh, and it's, it's going to be fun. And we've got one tonight for you, Phillies and Marlins, and that's at 6.30. But tonight... Uh, you've got Jordan Montgomery starting for the Rangers today mm-hmm. in their game against the Rays and Tyler Glass now. That game starts at 2 o'clock, and it's on ABC, and you'll have the opportunity to see Jordan Montgomery pitch to Randy Rosarena. Uh, you've got the Blue Jays with the back end of their bull- bullpen featuring Henesis Cabrera and Jordan Hicks. They've got Kevin Gossman going against Pablo Lopez. That game is at 3.30 on ESPN. Then the game that we'll have uh, later on, Marlins and Phillies, Lazardo against Zach Wheeler. And that one's at 7 o'clock on ESPN and here. And then the Diamondbacks will pitch. uh, uh, He pitched against the Cardinals. Brandon Fott. It's P-F-A-A-D-T. Brandon. He should just be Brandon Fatt. (laughs) (laughs) Against Corbin Burns. So you've got Corbin Burns pitching against Tommy Pham. Marlins game. You've got... uh, uh, let's see. You'll have Edmundo Sosa on the bench. You've got Skip Schumacher managing 
the Marlins. So a uh, host of former Cardinals involved in the playoffs. Something to keep you intrigued. If yeah. you want to, if you want to follow that, do you just like to, that type of thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, do you like you see your former players Mascus. have success other places? Yeah, if, you, if you're into Mascus, that, yeah, a little bit. You know, if you're just into that type of pain. I am though, very happy for Skip and what he's been able to do with the Marlins. I mean, just reading about everything that he has done over there. Obviously, you're seeing it. He's a shoe in for National League Manager of the Year. Yeah. But there's been so many stories and they. They've talked about it, about how he has just changed the culture of the Marlins organization. And it's painful for to me, at least. And I don't know how you guys feel about this, but just to see so many. We talk about former Cardinals and all these teams that they're involved in kind of taking the Cardinals way in a sense and taking it elsewhere, especially when you're looking at Skip, the way that he's able to implement things with the Marlins, make it work, who he is as a leader. I just think that that was a huge loss for the Cardinals. Yeah, and a little speculation out there that if Bob Melvin moves from the Padres to the Giants, that Mike Schultz might take over the San Diego Padres. Whoa. That'll be something. Be nice. yeah. How, yeah. About yeah. That? How about that? How about that? <laughs> I don't know if that's... It's a good rumor that's out there. I don't know if that's anything that has a real chance, but it's a, it's a fun rumor to have out there. Do you like that rumor more or that Sonny Gray could possibly be a Cardinal rumor? Give me Mike Shilton in San Diego every day and twice on Sunday. You need a starting pitcher, Randy. Two of them. Three of them, possibly. Okay. You don't want, <laughs> you don't want a guy that has a 2.95 ERA in postseason? What's his ERA this season? Yeah. Is it, is it still... Pretty good. I think he had like a 1.54 in his last seven starts or something like that. Oh, a stud. That's yeah. much better than this. 36 strikeouts in 41 innings over his final seven starts. If, you, if you're into wasting money, that's cool. <laughs> Where are you going to spend it? I would, I, I would sooner take the unknown. I'd sooner try to get the Japanese guys. Really? Yamamoto? Yeah. Bring Yamamoto in, but are, would they be willing to spend probably two hundred million, which is the estimates for him? There's another. Who is the other Japanese guy? Um, was it? Come on, Brooke. Toshi or Yoshi? I know I should be on this. <laughs> I I am our <laughs> Japanese correspondent over here. Yeah. Um, He's got a Japanese jersey from the. the I do WBC. the Lars Newbar one, Team yeah. Japan one. Yeah. Uh, I should know. I cannot remember what That's his okay. name. Don't was. worry about it. He's if not. You can't remember his name? You're probably not a guy you need to be going. Oh, yeah. He's he's good. It's just that I don't think that I. I think Yamamoto, if you're going to spend better that kind than, of money. Better than Aaron Nola or, or Blake Snell? You don't want either one of those guys. Well, you don't have to worry about Blake Snell going nine innings. We don't do <laughs> no, that here. We don't. He's right. okay. No, you're right. You're right. Seven and done. Six and six. And, <laughs> give me six, big fella. Hey, Blake Snell is, would I prefer to have somebody that gave me more innings? Yes. but I, I know who you really want. Who's that? Dylan Cease. Yeah, Dylan Cease would be the guy. That's your number one. Yeah. That's your number one on your let's, wish list. Let's start at the top. Oh, Shota. Isn't that what Shota? it is? Yeah. Emanaga? Yes. 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 Um, I want... Let's start with this. None of this is going to work out unless either um, uh, Billy Blake turns into... Billy Blake. Billy Blake. Isn't that a pitching coach? changing his name. <laughs> Dusty. D- Dusty. Blake. Okay, good. He's uh, Dusty Balake. Balake. Balake, so yes. I, I, I need, like and maybe he is the guy, and maybe he was just holding stuff back this year. Uh, um, but I just, I, I need somebody who makes my pitchers better. I need to start with that. Analytics that, doesn't do that? Not all the time. I mean, it's nice to have 
the machines and the spin rate and all of that stuff. But the iPads, the iPads, to, are, yeah. yeah, it's a good thing to have. It is, it, it's nice to have. But then you have to have players execute those things. And we talked a lot about the Cardinals giving up runs in the first inning, to which to me goes a lot back to game planning and preparing the pitcher for the opposition mm-hmm. and maximizing the pitcher's abilities against the opposition. So I just think the Cardinals probably should be discussing that first before spending a bunch of money. They have they have put a lot of, uh, I guess, blame or, or, you know, part of the problem on, on Wilson Contreras and, and on the the pitching coach or the pitching staff, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I am responsible for what leaves my hand, where it's located, how fast it goes, whether it's left over the middle of the plate or not. If I don't like a pitch, I can tell them no. At the end of the day, the onus is on the pitcher. So, you know, you got to find pitchers that are, are confident, have conviction with the throws that they throw out there. And not look for other people to say, hey, I, you made me do it. No, I, I, Blame. I didn't. Yeah. You yeah. did it. And so be better at what you're doing. And so that's why, for me, pitching coach aside, catcher aside, give me guys that are confident in their job and what they do day to day and say, hey, I'm going to throw this pitch. You might not like it, but I know this is what I need to throw. Because if I throw something and I don't have conviction in it, it's, I'm, I'm going to be watching. But here's the thing. Yeah. You, the Steelers players can have all the conviction they want in what they're running, right? But I don't know that they have conviction in what they're running. But, but because of why? Because, because of because the play that's being called. Exactly. But yeah. but but the quarterback has the ability to audible at the line and, of scrimmage if he were to and, choose to do yeah. so. And if you're going to have a bunch of young pitchers, you got you you to you yeah. have smart quarterbacks, yeah. Yeah. smart pitchers to be yeah. able to say, hey, no, that's not the best thing yeah. for right now. And it is on, you know, the players executing, which we have seen them not be able to do this past season. But I just keep thinking about that interview that we played last week with Michael Waka and how he specifically mm-hmm. pointed to the Rays and their ability to really turn things around pitching wise, which is what they were able to do with him. He talked about how Kyle Snyder, that there was a pitching philosophy, but it was tailored to each specific pitcher. And I think that's something that just really stuck out to me on something that the Cardinals need to do. You can have a pitching philosophy, and they're going to change that supposedly moving forward, but also making sure that it's tailored to each individual pitcher. Because every person is different. Yeah, it makes sense, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of how that works. That's a good game plan. I think so. And just... <laughs> I mean, you you don't have the same game plan yeah. that you would. Was it Nick Foles and Mike Vick when they were on the no, team? Right, yeah, it right. was a little bit of different game plan. Uh, when you, <laughs> if Nick Foles is in, you probably aren't going to be running as many bootlegs yeah. and, and rollouts as right. you did with Vick. And so, it's a left-handed quarterback. right. It's just you got to be better. I don't know if Robert Blake is the answer. <laughs> but I just know that they need to be better next year. This way, are you doing this so you can avoid if, if he ever like said something to you? Be like, well, I was, I didn't say your name. I said Robert Blake. I said I, whoever that is. He was an actor. Uh, I think he might have died. He was an actor in the show Beretta back in the back in my day. Oh, I remember that. Uh, for what about? Sure. Oh, you guys ever heard of the show yeah. Mash? <laughs> yes, I remember Mash. I don't remember the characters. No, Colonel but I, Henry Blake. Oh, <laughs> that's what. Okay, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Oh, Thank you. Good I was job, like, why Randy. is this? <laughs> Good job. Sound familiar? That's so good. Oh, thank you very much. Coming up, Mike Claiborne on 101 ESPN. This is Justin Falk and Blues. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the celebrity line right now. And our friend, the great Mike Claiborne, joins us, of course, from Cardinal Broadcast fame and of Claves Online. Claves, good morning. How are you doing? 
I'm doing well. I'm doing well on the, on the mend of recovery, but uh, it's a slow process. But I'm feeling good today. Good. It's yeah. That's what you got to remember, especially when you get to our age. Is it's a process and not an event. It used to be that we could heal fast, and now that we're at our age, it is really a process. Well, your body reminds you how heal how quickly you're going to heal. So um, you know, you just listen and you go from there. So it, it's all good. I, I have no complaints. Klaibs, uh obviously we'll dive into more about looking ahead to this offseason and next season. But first, I just want to ask you, what do you think about everything this weekend, saying goodbye to Adam Wainwright? Well, it was something that uh, we just normally don't see. I mean, obviously, with last year with Yachty and, and Wayno, we, we just haven't had these sort of iconic players come through the organization. Uh, and it was, it was well scripted. I, I think Bob Ramsey said it best, if you want to have a uh, – a, uh, a wedding reception or anything like that, or you call the Cardinals. They seem like they have a good idea on how to plan these things. And uh, it, it was well done. And I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the career that he had. And, you know, you guys know him. You know, he, he, he touches so many people. And, and, you know, what a better way to go out. Obviously, I'm sure he'd like for the team to be better and his record to be better. But uh, I don't think he has any reason to complain because he had he had one guy who showed up that I think everybody thought in the back of their mind and Yachty would Yachty show up because, you know, some would say they don't ever think Yachty was ever going to come back. Not that he had anything against the Cardinals. That's just who he is. But uh, to have him there and everyone else there was a, a really capper of the weekend. A really great moment for Wayno and for the Cardinals. Cardinals season, not really that great. They uh, they need some pitching this offseason, Claves. And, and so we've been listening to some cuts from Mo where, you know, earlier in the, the season he said they were potentially going after three starters. Now kind of backing off of that. What do you think the plan is for this 2024 uh, season for next year? Well, I think, Kerry, that um, it's an issue that, you know, we, we knew about this this time last year. You know, you needed more pitching. But I think you have to start from the bullpen, um, you know, because if you watch these postseason games now, uh, the bullpen is going to come into play more than anything. Uh, and when you look at the Cardinal bullpen, you have to ask yourself the question, you know, how comfortable are you with everyone? And I think you have to go line for line on each person. You know, what do you like? What are you concerned about? What, what do you think is the reason why he shouldn't be here? Does he make you better? So you have to go through that and find eight guys who can go out and get the job done on a regular night. And some roles are going to be different. Some guys are going to be closers. Some guys are going to be set up. Some guys are going to be bridge guys. Uh, some guys are going to be spot starters, you know, because the way pitching works today, seldom do you see uh, an entire pitching staff of 13 complete the season as one. So you better find some people in your minor league operation that can come in and help you as well. So I would start there. Um, as you notice, there there isn't as much depth with regard to free agency acquisitions that's out there. I mean, the same names come out there, Nola, Snell, Sonny Gray. And the first thing you have to ask yourself, the question is, well, why would they come here? Because everybody has money. Okay, so that, that's, let's take the money off the table. Why would someone – you have to come up with a reason on why you want to come here. And, and you would know this, Kerry – being a, a, a recruited athlete in college, they have to show you something because, mm-hmm. you know, as you notice, you know, uh, Indiana had some things. Uh, Iowa had some of the same things. Ohio State had some of the same. So you had to come to a conclusion on why Illinois was for you. Right. So the Cardinals need to get into a, a recruiting mode and maybe even consult with someone with respect to recruiting because, again, everyone has money. 
So you have to sell them on other than the greatest baseball fans in America. You have to have something more to sell than that. And so that's, that's one element. The other element is going to be, if you're going to trade, what are you trading for? Are you trading short gap or are you trading for a guy that's got a couple of years on his contract and you think he can grow even more? The, uh, the other element I would say is, do you have anybody in the farm system that's ready to take the next step? I know Tink Hintz had a pretty good year in double-A. You have Graceffo, you have McGreevy, guys who are high draft choices that you expect to be able to contribute at some point next year. And then you have the international uh, route. You know, there's a couple of players over in the Far East that people are starting to kick the tires on. Uh, can you get into that bidding war? So you have multiple ways of doing this, but I really feel like you don't have as many options as you think because the talent pool isn't what you think it should be. Hey, Clayton, I wanted to uh, flip to Mizzou here for a second. 5-0, and taking on LSU. It sold out for O'Field this Saturday. Brady Cook, his last 11 games, 19 touchdowns, no interceptions, 63% completion percentage. How in are you on Brady Cook? I think he's a really good player. Um, I- I'm always cautious about numbers in college football. You know, when we start talking about uh, you know, he's an all-time guy in the SEC. But the problem with that is the SEC, you include all the games. You include the games against who knows state and, uh, you know. Middle Tennessee donors. State. Exactly. <laughs> so, and, and there's no slap against him because, you know, he didn't make up the schedule. And, you know, the same oh. thing could have been said about Drew Locke. But, you know what, here's the thing I give him credit for that most won't. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. or And so far he hasn't made any. Uh, you know, I know they talk about his toughness. I think anybody who plays quarterback in college football has to be tough. So I think that's a foregone conclusion. But I think what they've done is found some middle ground that he can adapt to and, and make him more than a game manager. I think he's at that level now where he can win some games for you. And that, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing against better competition and starts this weekend against LSU. Claves, I'm sure you watched that game last night. That the Giants are. Oh. Randy was calling them the New York Football Giants. I told him take the football out. Just call them Giants. <laughs> yeah, now. right. Just, just, you know what? I didn't even <laughs> take the Giants out because they didn't play big at all. Just I mean, New York. You know, and I, I know uh, last night Troy Aikman made a pretty good point. He said, "You know, it's not like they haven't invested in offensive linemen." Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they have a lot of guys in their offensive line are the top top picks in their draft. And they're not getting it done. So is it offensive line coach? Is it a coordinator scheme set? Is it the fact they missed on assessing how good these guys would be at the next level? But, yeah, I, I got to tell you something. The, the New York Giants are probably one of the leading embarrassments in the NFL. And, you know, if it wasn't for the Jets defense, they'd be right there with them. The Jets defense plays, plays really well. But, you know, at some point you can't stay on the field all night. Yeah. Clebs, do you think that that this is across all sports? Do you think that there has been a a dip in development for players, specifically younger players, just across yes. all sports? Yeah. And why is yes. that? I think because the rush to get them to the next level is is, is become you know obsessive. Um, you know, you look at baseball; everybody has stats on everybody now. Okay, so you know we're trying to figure. Everybody's on the fast track. There's no development. There's no teaching or not as much. You see it in football where even on your level, kids who may play JFL who come to you and you say to yourself, wait a minute, you guys don't even know the basics. So now I have to go from implementing a system to teaching you fundamentals. 
And we don't allow enough time for that. You know, I, I remember when I was a kid, um, when I, my mother was big on me learning how to swim at a very early age. I think I learned how to swim when I was three years old. So she threw me in the same class multiple times. So muscle memory came into play. Uh, and I look at sports now, we don't see that. You go through the drill twice, all right, you're ready for the next drill. I just don't think that that works for every athlete. And, you know, we talk about the practice time. What are we doing in practice now? I mean, uh, you know, practices are shorter. You know, you try to be crisp and quick. There's very little contact. And I think it all catches up to you. And you pick the sport. And I think you'll find a coach to tell you that they're really not ready, but this is all we have. Mm. Claims, what's going on at Claims Online? Well, later this week, we will have a visit with Cedric the Entertainer. We, we cover a number of things with him. Also, uh, we have Dr. Rick Lehman is back, and we have our sports medicine version with he and Bob Ramsey. Uh, Lunch with Claves and Joe, you can pick that up from yesterday. We had a chance to shoot that out. And uh, we'll visit with Bob Nightingale and talk a little baseball as far as the playoff side is concerned. And hold up with Howard comes your way on Thursday, and we'll get set for the Missouri-LSU game that comes your way on Saturday. Looking, so start. looking forward to that. Glad you're feeling a little bit better, sir, and we will talk to you soon. Looking forward to you guys. Have a great week. Thanks, Mike. That is uh, Mike Claiborne with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with rock and roll here on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. Matthew Rocky, what do you got for us? Well, uh, last week, actually, uh, at the end of the week, somebody asked why we don't do uh, My Hills to Die On anymore. Oh. And, and I said, because well, that, that, that's for an extra show. But luckily, somehow it worked out this way, that A Hill to Die On happened to perfectly converge with a story for Rock and Roll. And so I wanted to bring you guys to yesterday, FC Cincinnati's head coach by the name of Pat Noonan. You might have heard that St. name Lewis if you're around in. St. Louis. Yeah. DeSmet graduate, played for the United States men's national team, is now the head coach for FC Cincinnati. FC Cincinnati over the weekend clinched the Supporters' Shield. The Supporters' Shield, I will remind you, is the trophy you win for finishing with the best record in the entire MLS regular season. Well, here's what Pat Noonan had to say yesterday when he was asked about the significance of winning the Supporter Shield. Quote, unquote, I think that has now surpassed the MLS Cup in terms of relevancy. That's not to take away the desire for our team to hold an MLS Cup trophy. Now, here's the thing. In any other country, Pat Noonan would be very much correct because that's how most soccer leagues around the world award their champions you win the regular season there is no playoffs you finish number one on the table you walk home with the most important trophy in the league but that's not how this sport works here that's not how sports work here in america you got to win the playoffs to be the best team that season and that's how it works here i understand that it's a soccer culture i understand that it's different everywhere else but most of those places also call their leagues football leagues. This is Major League Soccer. We do it here in America this way. And you got to win the playoffs to walk away with the most important trophy in your respective sport. I understand what he's saying. I get the, well, it's better to be good across an entire season than just for a quick run. But that's a fine piece of logic on any other piece of soil around this earth, except when you're in the United States of America. So I'm being the ugly American on this he's, one. You win, the, you win the MLS Cup. That's the real trophy. The dude is from here? He's from St. Louis. 
You presume he's a Cardinal fan. You presume so. <laughs> Does he think that the 2006 Cardinal season was a failure? I don't think they so. They won 83 games yeah. in the regular season. Now, they did win the World Series. What was more important? I would I would argue that winning the World Series was more important. I would argue that as well. I agree. I think you, you, you win the last game in the playoffs. Anytime you do that, you are considered a champion, and that's when you... That's what they put banners up for. Yeah. Nobody, I mean, maybe, nobody. maybe some people. Nashville. Yeah. Put, uh, <laughs> put banners up for winning the division or the conference. That's regular cool. Season. It's nice. Western conference. So then why do season things season. just not end now then is my question. That that's be, what, that's, that's, that's kind of the point. Bro, that's a like, good why, why wouldn't it just end now? Why okay, have so you yeah. got and that. Also, then that's done, right? Also, There's no playoffs or anything. Right. The context here is, again, he just won the supporter's shield. Yeah. Like it happened two days before he made these comments. So he comes out after winning and says, well, we're the supporter shield winner. And I really think that's the trophy that matters. It sounds like before, a guy who doesn't have much confidence before, in winning the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, a month before exactly. you actually have to go out there and win four straight matches. Actually, technically it's five straight matches. Cause you got to win two out of three in the first round. And then you got to win round two conference finals and the MLS cup. So you got to win five more matches and you only can slip up one time. And that's in the first round. Hmm. It seems like he's a little bit nervous about that coming out immediately and being like, Hey, sounds by the like- Way, this is the championship. Not to say the other thing's not a championship, but this is the what championship. That's what you tell your team. Hey, why aren't those NHL players skating around the rink with that president's trophy over their head? Oh, I don't yeah, know. Don't That's a good that question. I got, I got some very snarky responses on Twitter to that when people said, well, because soccer and hockey are different sports. And I was like, yeah, but this would be the outlier of American sports. You're saying that this is how you win in an American sport? Listen, I, I'm, I'm not saying they need to change how they do it in, in, in any other country. No. I'm not saying they need to change how they do the Premier League or any other country. But in America, you win playoffs to win championships. Is that so hard? What's what's so hard to grasp and, and here? Pat Noonan should sh- just shut her down now, right? <laughs> if you already, that's what if I'm you saying. Won it all, yeah. yeah. That's it. You have nothing yeah. else to fight for. Good job. That's what I take out of that. Let's be better. And also, another point other people are, are throwing out there, and they're very good. Some people are saying, well, it's 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 better to be good for the entire season than it is to be good for a no, run. it's not. My thing here. It's better to thing, win a championship. Even if it's, that's true. Even if that's true. Every other league in the world that, that gives out those championships for a league, for just the table, almost all of them have it broken down as you play every other team in the, in the league twice. Mm-hmm. And it... There's no balanced schedule. You didn't. The city did not play every team in the East, and Cincinnati did not play every team in the West. So therefore, you can't even use the argument and say, "Well, it's a soccer right. league, so this is how you do it." No, no, no. In the NHL, you play every other team. In the NFL, you don't get a chance to. But in Major League Baseball, you now play every other team. I think that is 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 the best way to do it, and then you get to the playoffs. I'll say this for Pat Noonan: He's going to love the Sunny Gray signing. <laughs> it's all about the regular season. Oh, right. Playoffs don't matter. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, we got a texter here that said also, so when's Cincinnati holding their parade? They're not <laughs> holding their parade. You're, you're 100% right. Also, another point here soccer, one of the big things we've talked about this before. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, teams don't. put a star above the crest on their jersey, the national Captains? teams. No, no, when you win a title. Oh. But here's the thing. The star that go, goes above your crest in MLS, mm-hmm. it goes above your crest when you win the MLS Cup. It does not go above your crest when you win the Supporters' Shield. So the MLS even says, this is the one that matters. I respect Pat Noonan, again, even though he is a dismet guy. But I respect him a lot. That's really but where Come on, guy. From, it really doesn't <laughs> at all. I have The amount of rivalry I care about high schools is 0%. Um, but it's a shot, so I might as well, might as well take it. Mm-hmm. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm okay <laughs> with being... Away by that one. I said the whole season. We said pitch. 
I said boots. I'm still going with I said boots. kit. Yes. I will not break on the Euro part of this one. This is America. You America. win playoffs to win championships in America. I'll be the ugly American on this one. I'll let everything else go by. I'm not letting this one go by. This the, the supporter shield is not the big championship in the MLS, just like it hasn't been in any other major American sport. Well, well done. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're proud of you. That's a hill. I mean, you know, You're what? A true I, I'm American. with you on that hill. Yeah, wow. me too. Yeah, not really I hill you die on by yourself. No. Thank God, I've been I've been up here so lonely so many times. Now, anyways, about dogs. No, remember what it was? Oh yeah, he doesn't. No, what did, what, yeah. what did we do about dogs? What was it that he said? What was it that uh, he said, Rock? What did he say? That you say dogs were overrated or something like that? Yeah, dogs so that should be a part That's of your not family. what I said. It's not what I said. Dogs are wonderful. I love I already dogs. Kicks puppies. You should I don't get know. dogs if you want. You should never kick a puppy. Never. Never. Unless it's attacking you and you have no other way of getting away from it. Yeah. Carrie added that caveat, Fair. not me. Hey, man, right. If you're about to get bit by a dog. And it ain't your dog, and the owner is nowhere around. You got to do what you got to do. Great job by our producer and enge- audio engineer today, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Good, he hates dogs. Um, <laughs> love dogs. I love that? dogs. How about that? How about I that? How about that? I love dogs. How about Stevie Nicks. There's a Stevie Nicks Barbie. Yes, there is. I'm so excited. I need one? to get one. Yeah. For your dog? Yeah. Well, she'll tear it up. So probably not for her. Okay. We'll put it in a safe space. Okay, good. Uh, CD. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. We've got a balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up, followed by BK and Ferrario, and then the fast lane. And then tonight, we've got playoff baseball, Phils and Marlins, pregame at 630. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great Taco Tuesday, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.